second part of our Halloween episode and I just realized that maybe coming into a spooky Halloween episode I might not want to come in like hey welcome to Halloween I'm Chris Honeywell uh, I'm a true freak and I have uh, my partner in crime here the uh, former Dean of Students at Jefferson Community College in Watertown New York Mr. Scott Gardner how you doing good evening (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing good how are you (laughs) <laughs> Good. This is our second Halloween episode. The, this this is, one's going to be more awesomer than the last one. It, it sure is. Although it might not have as many um, cackling witches yelling Captain <laughs> Kirk's name as the last one. The, the other one had a really high Kirk ratio. Kirk to freak ratio. More so than this one. <laughs> And this one is sort of, we'll split it up into two parts. The first part is just going to be basically stuff that, that that scared the shit out of us or still scares the shit out of us. And uh, and probably, you know, we'll, let's stick to not, let's not use stuff like nuclear war or anything like that. Although that doesn't really scare the shit out of me. But let's, you know, it we'll stick to, kid, to comics or movies or I'll, I'll, I'll be picking a lot of movies because movies were what I... And probably TV shows, because when I was a kid, that was... Um, I'll talk about a few things that, that scared me as a kid, but to be honest with you, almost any cheesy horror movie that I saw when I was a kid scared the hell out of me, because I believed it 100%. I mean, did you ever see the movie Gargoyles? Do you remember that? Uh, kind of vaguely. I remember. Do they, like, sweep, sweep down out of the sky onto, like, the tops of cars and pull people out and shit like that, or...? So am I, I thinking of moving? Yeah, I see, I just have vague, vague re- memories of it from when I was a kid. But most of those memories involve, you know, being, you know, frightened, sen- senseless. And I recently I went to YouTube and saw clips from it, and it is the cheesiest goddamn thing ever. <laughs> I don't see how it could ever be scary, but, you know, it was... To me, it was very realistic, and uh, there's nothing realistic about this, you know, as far as special effects go or anything like that, as dialogue goes, anything, but, you know, I bought into it. So I'm going to be dwelling on more of the stuff that maybe when I was older scared me, except for probably the most formative, um, frightening piece of media that I ever saw, and that was, um, it was... On Halloween Day, actually, during it was in the afternoon on Halloween. Um, every week, they would have movie screenings 
at the local library. And I would go there every week, and they would have, you know, five or six short movies on a uh, 16 millimeter reel that they'd signed out under the um, National Library System. Had a whole library catalog full of 16 millimeter movies that could go to the library. You could even sign them out and sign out a projector from the library. And I remember seeing The Invisible Man, Hardware Wars. <laughs> we, made the li- we made the librarian play Hardware Wars back about six times. And then there was something like um, Nerd Encounters of the Geek Kind or something. Do you remember <laughs> yes. that? Yeah, I do remember it that. It was sort of like a, a Close Encounters Hardware Wars. Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind. Yes. That's what it was. And, uh, well, on Halloween, the um, since um, most of the library movies that you could get were movies that had fallen into the public domain. So there was no copyright restrictions on them at all. And uh, one of those movies, it's an infamous, famous, infamous public domain movies, is Night of the Living Dead. So they had a nice print of Night of the Living Dead. And uh, I'd say I was probably the oldest kid there, and I had to be maybe nine, ten years old, something like that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this poor lo- librarian, it wasn't, uh, you know, she was a younger lady. She wasn't your, your typical small-town little old lady librarian. She was, uh, that was the main librarian. She was a librarian who ran the kitty section. So, uh, you know, I think we, you know, we wound up with some, started up with some, you know, hammer, probably not even sub-hammer horror movies, some, you know, light fare, and then on Deny the Living Dead. So it's me and a bunch of five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight- and nine-year-olds. People Night that are all in therapy today. <laughs> not me. Well, I can't afford therapy. and you Not know, that you don't need it. You're just not there. The state hasn't been able to force me. If I ever went to a therapist, I would probably force him to eat his own arm or something Hannibal Lecter-like like that. <laughs> but, um... So, you know, we're watching the movie, and it's pretty scary at the beginning, but it's scary in a low-budget movie way it's it's not you know it's not very explicit in the violence and uh you know but as it gets going you know first of all there was a scene i think the first scene that gave it away that this movie might be a little too intense for the audience that was watching it was they all go into the farmhouse and they and uh they go up the stairs, and one of the people who used to live in the farmhouse is up at the top of the stairs with half their face chewed off. Oh, he's that big, off. fat, creepy guy, isn't it? Well, there's there's, like... there's a dead old guy like just laying there that's that's dead, not moving, but half his face is eaten off. So he's just a, he's just a corpse with a face that's all chewed up, and you get a glimpse of it, and they drag him and throw him out on the porch. But yeah, there is a fat guy in the beginning, but they off him, and then they and then they find the body, and and that was the first giveaway that this was going to be a pretty gory movie, and so by the second reel, you know, zombies are munching people out of a burning car and eating entrails, and uh, one little girl locked herself in the bathroom. And uh, this woman wasn't going to show the rest of the movie, and we were going to have a mutiny if she didn't. <laughs> and then she's thinking, well, you know, I can't leave them. You know, they're going to have nightmares trying to figure out what the end. She was probably just 
crossing her fingers and going, pray it has a happy ending. <laughs> Please have a happy ending. Please have it all be a dream or something. And of course, it has one of the gloomier endings of all yeah, what, time. What, I, yeah, exactly. What kind of ending <laughs> what was she expecting? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, well, how could you how could you put a, po- a a happy ending on Night of the Living Dead? I'd love to see that. It wasn't happening. Yeah, it wasn't happening at all. Well, you know, at that point, though, most horror. Well, I don't want to say that because at that at that time period, gloomy endings were pretty much the uh, par for the course for a horror movie. You know, the uh, twisty, twisty, doom filled ending was usually, uh, you know. Um, Solid Green is made of humans. I mean, I'm racking my brain trying to think of like the cheeriest, happiest, sunniest movie <laughs> endings movie. of all time. <laughs> thinking of how I could juxtapose that onto the end of Night of the Living Dead, and wouldn't that be a great movie to watch? <laughs> <laughs> they open up the door, and all of a sudden, it's color, and there's daisies <laughs> everywhere, and it's like, oh, sunlight <laughs> kills them. Oh. How lucky it was only Night of the Living Dead. Now it's day The, the, the soap bubble comes down out of the sky and it's Glinda. And she says, you can get up now. And all the zombies get up off the ground. Time to go to heaven. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, I don't you know. know. I'll tell you what. Night of the Living Dead is, is public domain. So mm-hmm. we, we could film it and call it Night of the Living Dead and just put that ending on it. People have done that. Somebody just filmed Night of the Living Dead 3D using a zero budget. I guess it was one of the most terrible things ever, but anybody, it's like Popeye. Popeye's free to, you know, we could start writing Popeye comic books if we wanted to and printing them for money and not have to pay royalties to anybody. Cool. That's why there's so many brand names of Popeye. But anyway, Night of the Living Dead. I was fixated on that after that. After that, seeing that movie, I could not believe... A, I could tell it was low budget, so I was just fascinated with that and that it was sort of, you know, and that I had to see it and find out about it through the library system. That that was really weird, you know. And uh, so at, at probably about three or four times I signed that movie out of the, I would sign it out of the library and take a projector home and just like sit in the side room of our house and, and watch it. My parents, that's when, well, they suspected there was something wrong with me earlier than that. (laughs) So, and you know, that led to Dawn of the Dead, which was one of the most, that, now that's one of the instances of a movie that I really eagerly anticipated and uh, wanted to see for years. And I remember Siskel and Ebert, who usually didn't like violent movies, were like, this movie is almost basically rate should be probably rated X for the violence but it's such a good movie that you know if you think you have a stomach for the violence you should probably go see it because it's just a really well made movie and of course you know I was way too young for my parents to ever let me go see that they were around doing movie reviews that long ago oh yeah holy shit they were on PBS they started out on PBS yeah that's right I used to watch them on PB. That my movie, my source of movie knowledge, was Siskel and Ebert. I can't remember. It wasn't at the movies at that time. It was something else. 
but it was similar to at the movies mm -hmm. and uh they had a um show called matinee at the bijou that that would show like an old movie but it had all the old serials and the newsreels it was basically a simulation of what it would be like to go to the movies back in the 30s you know mm -hmm. and uh so that so i got a lot of movie information from that and there was also a movie show that would talk about directors and stuff but uh yeah i was i was reading about dawn of the dead and it came and went in the movie theaters i don't even think it really came i think it might have come to the drive-in for 10 minutes in watertown but it was you know george romero never gets good distribution he's always gets shafted somehow and uh i finally it wasn't until high school that i saw that on video and after all that anticipation and after everybody telling me what a scary movie it was and seeing, you know, a couple clips of it on Siskel and Ebert and uh, that movie more than lived up to my expectations oh, of I, it. I thought you were going to say it, it fell flat or wasn't no, scary. Oh, it was terrifying. It's terrifying. It still is. It still is one of those movies that's it's a great movie. But some some parts of it are just painful to watch. You know, it's just so well made. I've got a great story for you when when you get there for Dawn of the Dead for my first time seeing Dawn of the oh, Dead. I think I think you should go for it while we're talking about it. All right, this this will probably sound kind of kind of pussy to to a lot of people. You know, especially in this generation. I I mean, I know people that you know their kids that are my kids' age. They're letting them watch. You know. You know, all this Saw. wicked shit on TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, fucked up. But I, I am, I was as a child what they used to classically call a sensitive child. So my parents, for the most part, shielded me from a lot of that shit because they knew, you know, if I was scared by Baylock at the end of you know the Star Trek credits every uh -huh. week, then you know something like Night of the Living Dead would just like freaking you totally the fuck yeah. out, right? So I didn't see Dawn of the Dead, and I probably never would have seen it except for this weird-ass girlfriend that I had at the time, and you know who I'm talking about. But uh, we we watched Night of the Living Dead, and I really like. We watched the remake, and uh, I really liked it. You know, I was intrigued. I thought it was good. Yeah, and it was a little bit disturbing, but it didn't like. It didn't like freak me out or anything, but I was curious to see the others. I had seen Night of the Living, the original one, in bits and pieces at, at different points in my life, so I hadn't had the full effect. But I was intrigued enough to want to watch Dawn, and she kept telling me what a great movie it was, and I'd really love it and all this. So eventually, we got around and we rented that one. Now, by this point, I'm like twenty something, twenty one. 22 something so i mean i'm not a kid anymore it shouldn't have had this like wicked effect on me right but i watched that movie and i mean i was someone who just was not into horror movies i never watched them i never liked them you know it, it all goes back to the sensitive child thing so i sit and i watch what is probably the fucking you know godfather of horror movies yeah. dawn of the dead you know, late at night with this girl who was already kind of off in the head, and she was creepy to begin with. And we probably were a little fucked up at the time, too. I can't remember. But I watched this movie, and it freaked me the fuck out. I was, I just could not believe the shit I was seeing. It was, like, awesome, but terrifying, but off-putting. And it that's just one of those movies that stays with you. It has, for like... 
It has everything. Days, it makes weeks, you care yeah. about the characters. Yeah. And, and and he's so smart. Well, he you know he's also has no budget. Although he you know he did pretty good with Night of the Living Dead, especially since it was a zero budget. You know, it, it was one of the highest profit margins of movies of all time. Even though that's fallen in the public domain. So um, this movie sticks with me, right? And it, it's one of those things where I just can't seem to get it out of my head. Like at the most weird times, I keep I keep going back to this movie. Well, I'm not sure what the time frame was, but I want to say it was within about two weeks of seeing this movie and really, you know, having it stuck in my head that I was lo- working at the local mall at that time. Ah, and nice. I got I got promoted to a position which they called key holder, which means I would now have the ability, I would have the keys to the store. I would now have the ability to either open or close the store, you know, either before hours or after hours. So, you know, for those that don't know, Dawn of the Dead takes place in a shopping mall. It's basically these people get trapped and live in a shopping mall that's surrounded by an entire world full of nothing but fucking zombies, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm working in this mall. I go in for my very first time as key holder to open the store. This is in the fucking pre-AM, right? This is probably like, I don't know, like 5 in the morning or something. Some ridiculous early hour before God's even awake, right? So I go in there. Unbeknownst to me, they have a thing called mall walking. <laughs> which is where they bus in all the old farts and the retards from the local retardation center, right? I'm not shitting. This is a true thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen it. So I go in there. This movie's on the fucking brain already. (laughs) I go into my shopping mall at 5 a.m. It's dark as shit. The only light is from all the emergency lights that they leave on for the security people. And I go in and what do I see? A bunch of old and retarded people shambling through the mall going... And it freaked me the fuck out. I'm not kidding. I'm surprised I didn't have a total bowel movement right there. I I mean, it scared the piss out of me. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I I didn't know that they bust these people in. Nobody told me. I'd never been there at that hour of the day before. And it's funny looking back on it now, but man, I'm telling you, it, I mean, that was like fucking traumatizing, man. I was scared shitless. I thought the fucking dead had risen. Yeah, exactly. They should have been playing the the gonk on the on the overhead sound system. But that is a true story. What did you think of the remake? Did you see the? I liked it. You know what? I I liked it, and I saw the remake alone. I was uh-huh. the only person in the theater Ooh, for like, I love for like that. nine, ten. No, I didn't love it. I didn't love it at all. Because even at my age now, you know, I don't, I still am, you know, I'm a wuss when it comes to horror movies, you know. I like there to be somebody else there, you know. So I'm watching this all by myself. I'm dead center of the theater. And about three, no, actually probably closer to like eight tenths through the movie, I look over and all I see is like a person. I can't make out like any, you know, they're in shadow, so I can't make out any details. I guess it must have been like an usher or somebody just you know scoping out the movie or something. But they stood there and watched like the whole end of the movie. But it was weird. Like I'd never seen them come in, and then out of the corner of my eye, I just catch a person saying it was like whoa, you know, it was like that real world uh-huh. shock after I'd had all these shocks through the whole movie. But 
Yeah, I really liked it, and I liked the actor that played the, uh, you know, the kind of everyman character. He's on that Medium show now. He plays the husband on Medium. I don't, I have no idea what the actor's name is, but he was excellent in that movie, and uh, I, I really liked him. But yeah, I liked that whole movie. I, I thought it was good, and I liked it because it wasn't, you know, I, I, I was excited when I heard they were redoing it, but I was also, you know, anytime they redo, you know, they do a remake. It makes me very nervous if it's a yeah. movie that I really love. And I love Dawn of the Dead. So I was really nervous, but I was happy they were doing it. Because I, I did think that that was a movie that, if done correctly, kind of could use an updating, you know, remake kind of thing. And I was happy that I think they did it perfectly. Because they didn't necessarily remake it. They, they just reimagined it. It was just, it was just another story that could could have been happen, happening in, a, in another mall, you know, even though, you yeah. know, it's it's not fixed in the same time period because it just doesn't look the same, you know, but... Uh, I, I equate modern. it to, like, Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man. That's pretty much what it was. You had the classic 70s original, and then you had the, you know, for new modern audiences. So you could have both. They could both exist. They were both awesome, and, you know, one well, didn't they- take away... And that, I, I like that. I think they, that's the perfect way to do that sort of thing. They use this one to address some different... Although this one didn't really address social issues. At least, well, not, you know, I mean, the other one didn't overtly have it, but it had a subtext of, you know, social issues in it, George Romero style. This one didn't really go there, but it still touched upon some new um, things in zombie land like what happens if a woman has a stillborn baby inside of her you know that i yeah that was the only really part of that I, I thought that was way over the top in it that was one. way that, over that, the top I, and i was looking at that going man i'm glad i don't have kids <laughs> it's yeah. a lot less disturbing for it's disturbing for me a lot less disturbing because i've never like you know had a pregnant wife or girlfriend or anything you know and that i mean that's that's just that was just insane you know but it was it was uh it was just going to the dark it was not afraid to go to some dark places well i'll tell you something recent that scared me and and strangely zombies are, are dominating our what scared me but uh this is another zombie one, but this was just a few years ago. Well, this was probably probably about 13 years ago because we were on a drive, me and my wife. We were headed either to or from Panama City Beach in Florida, and uh, we were listening to um, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. It's a Stephen King novel, but we were uh-huh. listening to it. It was an audiobook. Yes. The last story in that book is actually read for you by Stephen King, and it's a short story called Home Delivery. Uh, do you know this story? I've read it. I'll know. I'll know it as soon as you start. Um... It's it's fucking awesome. It's actually it's actually in two places. It's in that book, and it's also in another book called. And I think it was written for this book. Actually, it was called um, Book of the Dead. Oh uh, yes. Been, been several of yes, them. Yes, I've read Book of the Dead. And they're, what they are is they're um, anthology stories that are supposed to be written as if they're happening in George Romero's zombie universe. You know, in, in you know the the night and dawn and, and day of tri- you know trilogy in, in that timescape. And I've read them. I there were stories that were okay, and there were some that I thought kind of sucked, and some that were a little boring. Whatever. You know, I mean, it was all right. It, I wouldn't highly recommend it, except for. Of course, the Stephen King story. 
Home delivery is awesome. It's the typical Stephen King. It takes place in Maine and all that, but it takes place on an island. On an island, yes. And it's like, imagine imagine Jaws meets Night of the Living Dead, and that's what you've got. You've got this island community, this close-knit bunch of people, you know, these islanders, and in such a short story, Stephen King totally sucks you into this feel of this being a real place with real people, this really close-knit island community where everybody knows everybody and, and all that. And it's basically what happens when the dead rise on this island. And it's, oh, it's fucking awesome. I wish they'd make a movie out of it because it could really be awesome. But what makes it that much cooler is of all of the Book of the Dead stories, I think his most perfectly nails the whole night of feel. You know, he incorporates things that that really make you feel like this is another uh, happening at the same time Night of is taking place. Uh-huh. And it, it just works. It's such a good story. It's it's super creepy. He He's very detailed with how things happen. And I, I can't do it justice describing it. You just got to read it or, or – I would, I would actually recommend – with this one, I would recommend listening to it. Listen to Stephen King tell you the story because he, you know, he wrote it. He's the master and the way he tells the story is just – oh, it just shins, sends shivers, man. It's an, it's an awesome, awesome story and uh, I, I recommend that one for a good, you know, creepy type of thing. Stephen King's responsible for a lot of my scary moments but uh, like particularly – like as far as Stephen King goes, is something that scared the hell out of me was uh, both the TV show, it was a TV movie, and the book of uh, Salem's Lot. Hmm. Probably the scariest vampire book, as far as I'm concerned, ever. I thought Salem's Lot was just terrifying. I had nightmares after seeing that movie because it was Toby Hooper, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Directed oh, that he directed movie. that. Oh, I didn't, he directed I didn't that know for that. TV, and I, yeah, well, I, I knew nothing of that when I was a kid. Wasn't All the I, guy that stars in that? Wasn't he like Starsky or something? Isn't, yes, he was, he was. Yeah. Um. But uh, Hutch, it was David Soul was the name of the actor, I believe. Yeah, was wasn't he character. one of? It was either Starsky or Hutch, wasn't he? I can't remember which one he was, but I think yes, he was either Starsky or Hutch. And there was a scene in that in, in the book and the movie, but the movie really brought it home because just the the way it was filmed and the sound effects of it, where um, a kid's little brother has gotten bitten by the vampires and disappeared, and he's a, in bed at home, and his brother comes back, and his he, the kid's on the second floor. And his brother's just floating outside his window with long fingernails, like, scratching on his window, like, hey, you know, oh. come here. <laughs> right. Scratching on his windows. And that was just like, whoa. You don't really, you know, you don't often see little kid vampires, you know. Usually, you know, back when in the classic days of vampire movies, little kids were usually spared, you know, the, the horror of being brought back from the dead. And, uh, so that was, a, there were a lot, there was a really, um, frightening scene in the coroner's office, too, in that movie. And, uh, I had, I had total nightmares from that for 
months and months and months. Oh my God! Speaking of the coroner's office, I just thought of probably one of my scariest things that uh, that I ever it, I didn't experience. It was just that I heard is uh, you know you you remember when when we were younger? You know when I was a teenager, my mother used to drag me kicking and screaming to church. Right. And she went. You know she she got born again, and she was going to a Pentecostal church, which you know. <laughs> you know what they're like. I mean, they're just they're they're really rowdy. You know, yeah. a lot of people call them like a snake charming church or whatever. This one wasn't they didn't have that snakes, like that. Yeah. No, they didn't have snakes or what. But they were there was occasional they, speaking in tongues. Yeah, they were moved in the spirit. You know what I mean? They they were very lively and all that, which used to kind of freak me out to begin with. You know, I wasn't used to that sort of thing. You know, up until she got born again. You know, we were raised Catholic for God's sakes. You know, so you know you don't you don't have those goings on in a Catholic church. But anyway, you know, that freaked me out enough as it was. But uh, I remember Pastor Shell telling a story once. Or no, no, I take that back. I think this was actually a guest speaker was telling this story. I think they were a guest pastor. Anyway, it was a story about someone working, a born, you know, a Christian working in a morgue or, or funeral home. And had some responsibility with the body. So they were alone, basically, in a room full of bodies. Now, granted, I don't know today if I believe this story. <laughs> right. <but laughs> I was very, you know, like you, I was Doesn't very matter. impressed. Yeah. Child. Doesn't matter if I believe it now. I believe the shit then. Anyway, this person's working in the in this situation with all nothing but dead bodies all by themselves. Suddenly, one of those dead bodies sits up and starts wailing. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Please, you know, help me. I don't I, you know, I, I repent and all, you know, just going on. Now, th- you know, that alone is freaking me the fuck yeah. out, you know. And they go into this story about basically this is where it gets a little silly, I guess, that the this person witnessed to this body, you know, about, you know, the power of Christ and, you know, redemption and you know, you can you know you can be saved and all this, and basically when the body lay back down, you know dead. it lay back down with a smile and it looked like it was at peace. You know, like like this Christian had saved this person. Now I'm not commenting on religion in, in this. I'm just telling the story. Yeah, I'm telling you as a very impressionable young person, Jesus Christ. You know, what I mean, <laughs> gosh, I mean if that doesn't scare you straight. Nothing's going to. You know. I was like, oh, and that story has stuck with me all my life. I mean, it's just one of those things that every once in a while you'll think, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it creeps you the fuck out, you know? <laughs> that was scary. And the way, it, you know, the way it was told was much better than probably I just told it. But it, yeah, that, oh, that was one of those, you know, that was one of those put you on the straight and narrow for a few weeks kind of stories, you know? It was like, whoo. But uh, yeah, I seem to have uh, have a lot of those kind of things with like re- religious experiences because I, I already told the story about uh, going to uh, uh, race with the devil. Yes, uh, as at a very. I mean, I had to be younger than seven years old because we moved to New York from Florida when I was seven, and we saw that movie in Florida. So I was pre seven years old and saw Race with the Fucking Devil. Now, I mean, that was an intense De- movie devil for a movies child. Are, devil movies are always intense when you're when you're a little kid because you can't you can't beat you can run away from the monster and stuff, but the devil's always you know is 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 
omniscient relative to you anyway. <laughs> so you know, you're always I'm kind of screwed, and they always the devil always has a lot of followers too. You know, I'm sure that by the time my mother got born again and started going to the Pentecostal church, I don't know what the hell year that was, but I'm guessing like the early 80s. I'm sure that this movie was long expunged from right. her memory. Right? But I was a child and a traumatized child seeing this movie. So that, I, was, I never lost this movie in my memory. So walking into a Pentecostal church for the first time where they're all hands raised and, and swaying in the wind and doing the, you know, the whole chant and all, the first thing I think of is race with it because that's the same thing in that <laughs> yeah. movie. And it scared the shit out of me. I was, I mean, I was literally like shaking and trying. I really thought they were going to take us out after services and set fire to us in our Winnebago. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's funny now, but at the time, yeah. I mean, you know, you're a kid. You have these thoughts. You know. Yeah. So it was very traumatizing to me. But uh, yeah, those 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 are probably my best like what what scared the shit out of me type type stories. But I'm still sensitive to stuff like that. I mean, I, you know. I remember in the in the very early issues of reading The Walking Dead being really freaked because I work nights, you know, so when uh -huh. I leave the house, it's dark as shit out. And right now, we, we just moved about a year ago, and we live in a, in a, in a uh, what do you call it, a subdivision. But at the time when I first got into that book, we lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere. You know, we lived in the woods. And so I'd get up, you know, and go to work in the middle of the night when it's black as shit outside in the Georgia woods... And at this time, Rick and his little band of survivors, where were they? In they were Georgia. right outside Atlanta. Yeah, outside you know, and I was Atlanta, like, yeah. shit, I live right outside Atlanta. There's fucking zombies out there, you know. And, you know, that's that's funny to think about, you know, me being my age. But, you know, I'm still, you know, to this day, I'm scared of zombies. <laughs> I guess that's why that book works for me and why I keep, keep coming back to it. Because it's all about the zombie fear. The zombies are going to come. Hey, did you hear about the guy who... Uh, I guess he went to like his local city hall or some shit and uh, wanted to know what their zombie preparedness plan was. It's like a big, oh, I'm sure there was a big deal about this in the news. Like they thought he was fucking crazy, but you know, you got to think about shit like this, you know, I, I would get in on the planning committee of that. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't care if everybody thinks I'm crazy. Cause if the zombies do start coming back to life, I'll be prepared. Hopefully, I'll be on the zombie preparedness squad, which would mean having a lot of guns. <laughs> having mm -hmm. a lot of shotguns would probably be good. Yeah. One of these days, I really do plan to read. There's a book out, um, The Zombie Survival yes. Guide. I've heard about I, have that. Have you read it? No, no I haven't read about it. I've read well, excerpts from it, and it's, sometimes it seems like it might be a little cutesy, you know, just you know, trying to be cute. What a... What would what right off the top, just totally off the top of your head, you just suddenly looked out the window, your your street or your neighborhood is crawling with fucking zombies. What do you do? What would I do? Yeah, well, I would with, instantly with, go. Like, no, I would lock with, my doors and I would end up barricading myself on the second floor, and I would probably you it, when I wanted to leave, I would probably cause a ruckus in the front and then or a ruckus in the back. Get them to, you know, because the, they're attracted to sound. Mm -hmm. Now, here's one thing that sort of disappeared from Zombieland, from Night of the Living Dead, was they don't like fire. In Night of the Living right. Dead, you can wave fire at them and they, like Frankenstein.
I think that was supposed to be an animal instinct kind yeah. of thing because aren't, aren't all animals supposed to be like naturally yeah, a, a, a fire ver- bad? A- yeah. yeah. So, so I would probably test out the fire thing because I don't have any firearms. So I'm not gonna, you know, I would probably have like my Boy Scout hatchet and a baseball bat and and a burning torch. Baseball bat slung in a backpack. Hatchet on my belt. <laughs> right off the I, top of and my head. And then I would oh, head sorry. for the country. Head for the country with a population sparser. Less, less corpses wandering around. More open area where you can see them coming. Because they move slow unless they're modern running corpses. Right. I don't know. I don't know how good this plan would be, but here's here's right quick off the top of my head. Here's my plan. Throw the family in the car, and we've got we've got one of those. It's not quite an SUV. It's what do they call it? A hybrid. well, maybe it is. It's not a, hybrid, it's a uh, no. It's not a. It's a. It's a Ford Escape. Maybe that does qualify as an SUV. I'm not sure, but you know, it's it's one of those like cross between a van and a truck type of thing. Right. So I mean, you know, if I had to go like cross country or whatever, I probably could. But my plan: get him in that. You know, because it's it's got some storage room. It's big enough for everybody. we wouldn't be cramped. It's not like getting in the other car, which is just like a sub sub car. You know, whatever they call those. Sure. Get the family in the car. You know, if we had time to like grab shit, grab shit. You know, food. I mean, you know, like food and water, because we always have like a, a case of bottled water in the house. You know, grab food, grab water as much as we could get. Get it in the car. Get the fuck out of here. I would go straight into town because I know where the local um, army surplus store is. Go in there, smash the fucking window out, steal every goddamn gun and case of ammo and everything I could get my hands on. If the, he's got any like flak vests or anything, I'd get that shit. I'd basic, I basically want ammo, but I'd also, I know he has like machetes and you know just like any kind of weapon, you know, bladed weapons, bludgeon kind of weapons, guns, rifles, anything I could get my hands on. You'd want, then I would you'd want to, leather too, because leather's hard to bite yeah. through. Leather yeah. gloves, leather, you know. Thick hunting pants and leather jackets, and like park the park the vehicle, like sideways, like smash the window out first. However the hell I could figure out to do that, and then park the thing sideways, like right in front of the the window, so that it's Block blocking, it. so that nothing can get to you. You know, get in, get out, and then try to find like like some like kind of out of the way like little mom and pop grocery. You know, I wouldn't go to like Walmart. You know, I'd go to like some out of the way place. Rob them fucking blind for food, you know, get everything I could possibly, you know, bags of chips and hot dog buns and just every fucking thing I could get, stuff the car full with with groceries, and then, you know, I guess just, you know, I thought about heading to the country, but I think the best thing really would be to head north, but then, I don't know, then again, there's, what was that story I, I heard not long ago, was it World War Z? I think it was World War Z. The people head north to like Canada and beyond, but then they get there and they realize, you know, they're fucked. They don't know what to. They don't know how to like survive a winter as it's like fucking. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, because basically, if if suddenly there was a zombie plague in the world, you, you'd have to imagine that pretty quickly the world's going to degenerate into like the fucking 1800s. You know, because right. once it starts breaking down, 
you know, pretty quickly, you're going to run out of food. There's not going to be electricity. There's probably not going to be running water. You're going to basically be, a, you know, hunter one of the American. Yeah, exactly. A hunter, yeah, that's a perfect way to, yeah, exactly. And who the fuck in the world today knows how to, like, exactly. kill something and eat it, you know? Kill something and Ted cook Nugent. it and eat it. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. well, actually, come think of it, I live in Georgia, so maybe it wouldn't there's be. There's a lot of people around you who. Yeah. There's a maybe lot of yeah, good the old best... boys who know what to. Yeah, you might want to pal around with some of them. My brother in law is like a big, you know, big into the, the whole, you know, hunting and all that, so maybe I'd head north and try to hook up with my with my sister's family. Yeah, the people who have the guns. <laughs> yeah. People have the I'm, guns that like you. <laughs> Dad, Dad keeps the shot sawed off right next to the bed to this very day. So you know, I guess I try to hook up with the with the family. I, I guess that's awful that I didn't think of my family right off the bat. But my immediate concern and my my prevalent concern, of course, would always be my family. You know, my my wife and my children. You know, well, that that's, that's right. my immediate concern, and that you know that would be the ultimate Trump thing everything. is you know, yeah. keeping them safe, keeping them alive. Which is why I think. I don't know. I mean, I wonder what the best and ultimate plan would be. But I, I just feel that getting out of your house is probably the smart thing to do. Cause Get, getting out of your house, and I would think it would be good to have a small band of people, but not too large of a band of people. Right. A small band of people in an isolated place where you have access to fresh water and plenty of wildlife to hunt. And you'd be in pretty good shape. Because the thing about zombies, as everybody knows, is they're really slow. Or, or they're dumb. Any, even if they're fast, they're dumb. And if you keep your head about you, you could, you could run solo, unarmed, through a crowd of zombies and just muscle your way through them fast enough before they could even react to you. Classic Romero zombies. Well, that's what that, that's what that hot redhead does in the remake of Night of the Living yeah, Dead. Yeah, she, she, she comes to the realization that she's just like, oh, wait, I'm more powerful than them, and she just starts yeah. going. She just, but that was the moment she started believing in herself. It was a, it was a female empowerment story. That's why I like the remake of that so much better than the original, is because in the original she was she just was annoying, and I was happy she, was she got. Yep, powerless sack in that movie. In this one, in remake, she's badass, and I, I got the hots for that girl anyway. I don't know, I forget what her name is off the top of my head, but man, she's I, she does it for me big time. She's so I was glad she. Huh? She's something else. Oh yes, well I'm, I've, I have my own. Redheads are my kryptonite anyway, but she's she's naughty. But uh, oh damn, what is her name? She wound up on that stupid Star Trek ripoff show, and I can't think of what the hell her name is. She really hasn't done a whole lot of other acting, which is a shame because I th I think she's really a good actress as well as being cute. But I just I've never seen her in much of anything else. Damn, I can't think of her name. It's just, it's totally escaping me. Oh well, it's not important. Ooh, I just but she of was another. on. Oh, go ahead. Oh, what's that? I just no, thought go of ahead. another scary moment of another one of my great scary uh, moments at the movies. Uh-oh. It wasn't actually at the movies. Um, and this one, uh, a lot of people are going to groan when they hear this one, too. So, But I'll, I'll have to explain the, the context of it. And uh, that was... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I don't know if we've ever talked about about this movie, uh, the Blair Witch Project. Oh God! Yeah, yeah see, that's that's the, the what everybody says. Well, <laughs> the thing about the Blair Witch Project is 
I had a friend who had a friend who had a friend who was the daughter of a movie Is this a critic. shampoo commercial? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, her father was a, a movie critic. So he would get advanced copies of movies to review. And he got a copy of Blair Witch Project, oh, I would say a good three months before it came out in the movies. And uh, it, made its, it made its way to me. You know, somebody at work said, oh, you would really like this. You should check this out. And I'm like, what is it? And they're like, you'll see. It, it explains everything at the beginning of it. It's really cool. It's, it's going to be out. You know, they're trying to release it as a movie right now. So, I watched, I, I, I put it in my video cassette, and, you know, A, it has unknown actors in it, and, um, you know, it was like, these kids disappeared in the woods, blah, 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 and this is the tape they found, and I was like, oh, okay. And I'm watching the footage, and it was, it was very, you know, I mean, the idea has been clubbed to death now, but at that point in time when nobody had known that it was, whether it was real or not, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty, um, skeptical, so I was watching it with a skeptical eye, but, uh, you know, they did it really well, they started out with just them filming stuff like a real, that, that's, looks like the extra footage of all these film students I know, where they're just filming each other at their houses, and, and it was only... I would say about three quarters of the way through the movie that there was one scene where one of the actors was sort of, I, I, I detected him like acting. I detected him doing something that was a little uh, like uh, out of character that a natural person wouldn't do. But that movie was harrowing. I was watching it and every time that night, I, have you ever seen it? Yeah, I saw it. That, my, my, See, the problem is, is that, you know, I wish they'd never let the cat out of the bag about right. that movie. Because I saw it that after. That was a secret I to saw it. it after the, the secret was out, so I knew it wasn't real, and it ruined it for me. Whereas if I had seen it like, like how you're describing, I probably would love it to this day. To the, the but, Every time that you know, night fell in that movie, I was just like, oh, God, what's, you know, what's going to happen next? And now that I've, like, seen it a bunch of times... It's actually a lot of that stuff which just seems kind of weird and creepy and almost random that happens at night all has like uh, it all has a meaning in the story like there's one where you hear little kids voices and those are the you know you find out it because there was a lot of ancillary sort of stuff that like after I saw the movie and I didn't know whether I wasn't sure whether it was real or not and I was like you know whether that's real or not it's a great idea and it was really creepy. There was on um, the History Channel, they had a documentary about the mother of the girl in the in the movie, and she was pissed off because the sheriff's department, you know, for that area wasn't, you know, wasn't really investigating the disappearance of her daughter and her friends. You know, they basically just said, oh, they just ran off somewhere or something. And she and so the whole movie was like a documentary of the mother trying to like get people to uh put pressure on the police chief to investigate, you know, their disappearance and it shows how they found the videotape, you know. And uh 
Oh my god. It's it's very well made. It's called Legend of the Blair Witch. And uh for a while you could find both that and Blair Witch in like the um blockbuster, you know, used bin for like ninety nine cents a piece. But when they came out nobody knew. When 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 that movie came out in theaters and nobody knew, I went into a, a viewing of it. And uh, by that time, I already knew what was going on with it. I had already done my research and found out that it was, you know, fake and how they filmed it. But the public at large didn't really know. And uh, I went in on opening day, and there was a big street festival going on. So all these 20-somethings rushed into the movie theater, and they all had a little buzz on, and they were talking... And they were all laughing and just sort of mockingly in the first 20 minutes of the movie. About 45 minutes to an hour into that movie, it was stone silent in the theater. <laughs> stone dead quiet. And uh, there's this girl next to me and towards the end of it she starts whimpering. And then after the last shot of the movie... You know, and the screen goes blank, and, you know, it's obviously the end of that footage. And, I mean, it was just very effectively, crudely hacked together. You know, it was... I was but watching... what was it. the dude in the corner supposed to be doing? Well, you see, here's the thing. He would... When, um... Pardon me while I take a swig of cranberry juice. Now, here's, well, here's something that, that, that got clarified... From the the version that I saw was an earlier cut. It came out months before, and it didn't have this particular interview in it. But there was an interview with an old lady, and she's like, you know, he killed those two little kids in his cabin, and he skinned one of them. While he was skinning one of them, he made the other one sit in the corner with his back to him, you know, while he skinned them. And so when they when they go in the corner, that guy's sort of. I'm guessing the, like, quote-unquote Blair Witch possesses people. And at that point, he was, like, either possessed by the little kid or possessed by the Blair Witch and probably killed the other girl. But you never know, you know? It's all left open. It's all left, you know, with no resolution because it's found footage. So it doesn't have to... If it, if it had a really recognizable conclusion, that would sort of blow the illusion of it. And after that last scene, this girl burst into tears. She ran out of the theater, crying, freaking out. Oh, it was awesome. I love movies like that, you know? I love when you get that reaction in a movie. I mean, it was terrible for that girl, but at the same time, how yeah, many you times sound do you go to... up about it. Yeah. I... Oh, man, how many times do you go to a movie that makes you, like freaked out so much that you go running out of the theater crying and blubbering. I don't know. know. My wife keeps wanting me to take her to go see Grease, so, you know, I imagine that one would... <laughs> see, I like Grease. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, uh... I got, I got, I got one the for horror, horror section. <laughs> um... All right, real. Let's go real world horror for a minute. Okay. Um, what what what's like the scariest thing that's ever like really happened to you, or or like, um, I'll even go this far. Have you ever have you ever had like this is one of those like I'm gonna die moments? You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me sort through those. <laughs> I've had plenty of those. From, I've got a couple. A I've got up. a couple. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, in my more recent years, I've had a gun to my face at one point. Um, I found myself, and this was probably not too long after you moved out of that apartment that you lived with us. But in that same apartment building, there was a block party once that turned into a street brawl. Oh, and I sure. mean a street brawl with like carjacks. You know, people got their carjacks from their car and were, and like girls were pulling the security signs out of the ground and swinging them like axes at each other. It was, it was brutal. And, it's like that Lander episode. And when that was when that was happening, yeah, when that was happening around me, that was pretty scary. The gun part wasn't really scary until afterwards when I really started thinking about it. Um, there was one time, this now this sounds really stupid, but this was like just mind-numbingly, mind-numbingly um, bad neighborhood story where I was filming a, a protest, an anti-war protest, and... Um, I, at, at one point, the anti-war protesters were hanging, were like hanging flyers over onto the throughway to get cars to honk, and a car got distracted, and there was a crash. And uh, so I, I was, I was there, and I watched all this, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's terrible!" So I wanted to go to. They were having a meeting afterwards to sort of go over their protests, and I'm like, "I'm going to that meeting and say, you know." Maybe you guys should see what happened to those people in the car, because that was kind of your fault <laughs> that that happened. So I'm like, I was there on my own, so I got this ride with this kindly sort of hippie lady. Who was like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. She didn't know where she was going. So we're driving, and she was just an airhead. And we're driving, and we get into this really horrible part of the city. And... And I imagine in any any part of the city, in the worst part of the ghetto, it's the same thing. As night falls, especially on a weekend, as night falls, you know, the drug dealers and the people who hang out at night and the hookers, they all start literally it's like coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> the warriors come out to play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, like literally like. I don't know. I've known some sketchy people. I've lived in some bad neighborhoods. You lived in a bad neighborhood with me. Mm -hmm. And and uh so I'm not I'm a little hardened towards that, but I knew I was in a bad neighborhood and she's like, "Well, I got to find out what this is, so I'm going to pull over and use a phone." Well, meanwhile, I have to pee so bad, I'm going to die sweating in pain. I'm like you know, I gotta find some place to go to the bathroom. So she's at a payphone. I get out of the car. I'm looking for you know a store. There, obviously, none of the, you know none of the stores have restrooms. But I'm so desperate, I'm going into them and asking. And as I'm doing this, I'm you know gathering a lot of attention because I'm obviously like a white kid with a camera strapped around his neck. And uh, people are starting to pay attention to me and follow me out of all the stores. And I'm gathering a crowd around me. And so, you know, I'm trying to impress upon this lady who's on the phone that it's time to go. You know, it's time to go. I went to a Rite Aid, and I was just going there. I knew they didn't have a bathroom, but they had a security guard in the front. 
So I'm hoping if I talk to the security guard, that'll get the crowd off me. Well, the crowd just started gathering around. The security guard had the attitude of like, you're on your own. You're <laughs> 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 stupid to even be here. What the hell are you doing here, you know? And uh, so she's on the phone and I, just, you know, an angel, this this uh, black couple that live a block away, pull into the, the parking lot of the convenience store we're in. And they get out of the car, and they come up to her, and they're like, they knew her, and they're like, look, <laughs> come over to our house now. We'll figure out where this is, but don't figure out where it is right here. She's she's clueless, and she's one of those people who's never been to a ghetto, but she thinks, you know, well, you know, I'm not prejudiced towards black people, and, you know, the, everybody's nice, everybody's nice people. And seen a little bit too much good times. Everybody ain't nice people there, you know. And it was getting, it was get, you know, it was hardened criminals, and they were, and like, I was, I was just so close to getting robbed. I, you can smell it in the air get, when you're gonna get beaten up. I grew up in, you know, the Black River Field days gave me plenty of, <laughs> plenty of um, experiences <laughs> to when a fight was gonna start breaking out. You know, when the violence was gonna start brewing. And that was, and oh my god, and I had one of the greatest, longest, deepest, most at one with nature pisses when I got back to these wonderful <laughs> people's house. And they're just like, the bathroom's over there, and I'm like, oh god, thank you so much. I love you. I don't know. It's the deepest, longest one with nature, and I thought this was leading to like, you know, you nailed this girl, and it was about no. taking a piss. <laughs> no. <laughs> Having uh. sex with that, there was nothing on my mind at that part at that point in time except staying alive and long enough to take a piss. <laughs> well, speaking of taking a piss, I think we need to take a break. Yeah, I think that's been almost an hour. Running. Yeah, well, there's enough s scary stories for now. We got to save enough for next Halloween too. Oh yes. So we'll have more for then. I have plenty of stuff that scared me and scary stories and when I was gonna die. Cool. We'll be right Die, back. With, <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, Halloween reminiscences. Oh yeah, Halloween and Black River. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. We'll be right back. Right back. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Dawn of the Dead. All right, we're back. And it's the second part of our second Halloween episode. And this is Halloween week. So uh, um, we've actually had requests for more messed up stories from our childhood so I guess we'll talk about Halloweens back in the the weird little slice of Americana towns 
that we lived in. Back in the day, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man, I love Halloween. I really do. It's, oh, it's, it's my one favorite. My, is it your favorite? Yeah. It's it's one of my favorites. I would say uh, off the top of my head, running down just you know a mental list of holidays, it would be my number three because my, my number one, of course, is Christmas. Love Christmas. My number two, it, it, it's a close one between... You know the two and the three, but I'd say probably my number two is still probably Independence Day. You know, I'm, I'm a very patriotic person. I love my country, and I just I, I love the Fourth of July. I love Independence Day, but Halloween, man, I love Halloween too. But I love Halloween at like the other end of the spectrum. You know what I mean? It's just I like I like I love the whole thing about you know the the moody and the spooky and you know dressing up and all that. And every year. I keep having the same fantasy about Halloween. Every year I keep saying, that's it. I'm going to start eat right and, uh, yeah, eat right. Eating right. You can tell I've had a few too many. Yeah. <laughs> Every year I tell myself I'm going to eat right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to bust this gut off me. I'm going to get all ripped and everything. And I have this fantasy. I want to go to a Halloween as Captain Marvel. But I want to have the body on my own. I want to look like Captain <laughs> Marvel. Right? I've always wanted to go to Halloween as Captain Marvel. One of these days before I die, I don't care if I have to go, end up going looking more like Shazam than Uncle Marvel <laughs> rather than Captain Marvel. But I'm going to go to Halloween as Captain Marvel one year. But um, yeah, man, love Halloween. Now, what as, as a kid, can you think – I've been racking my brains ever since we came up with this idea of like what did I, what did I dress up as for Halloween? And I can only remember a handful of them and I know that I went to trick-or-treat. A lot of years. I mean, up until I was probably 13, 14, maybe. So I know I dressed up every year, but I'll be damned if I can think of more than just a couple of them. Did, what, do you, what do you remember dressing up as for Halloween? I can remember one very clearly. And my father took a refrigerator box and we made it into a robot. Did you come to school with that? Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. It was... It, it was great because nobody knew who I was in it. And actually, when we had the open house at our house, that robot was sitting in the corner of my room. Oh, maybe that's what I remember. And it was, Did it have it like dryer there. vent arms or something yes, like that? Yes, it had dryer yeah, vent yeah, arms. Yeah. It was all painted silver. Yeah, I remember and that. It was a, like a square head on top. It was, you know, it was an old school movie serial bulky robot, you know, and and... Uh, I had a pair of pants that we fitted the dryer vents on, so it had, you know, dryer venti arms and legs and gloves on the end of the, <laughs> on the end of the arms. That's the that's the Halloween costume I remember, the most. Uh, to, really, off the top of my head, I can't really think of. I mean, when I was a little kid, I was into like most little kids are those store bought you know mask oh yeah out things, of the box yeah which which now i look at them as being really cheesy but a kids love them you know they love them i and, remember you remember woolworths in watertown oh, sure. oh, i can sure. remember going there at, at halloween time every year and they had a massive section yes full of all those they were all characters you know they, but they were the ones there was the classic one where you would look at the box and it had the little cellophane window and it had the creepy because the mask looked creepy any, any any character i don't care if it was cinderella they all looked creepy because there weren't any eyes you know right. it was just that mask 
So you'd go in that massive section. I'm telling you, man, I wish I could like time travel back to one of those sections and buy up the whole selection. Oh, some of those things are worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. 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 And, yeah. Uh, of course, infamously, you know, the, the Captain Kirk mask of that kind became the, uh, the mask for Michael Myers in the Halloween <laughs> movies. Yeah, that's right. Was, you know, it's so funny that, that, like, one of the most feared you know, uh, horror movie um, franchise <laughs> yeah, villains his, 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 has the face of William Shatner. <laughs> now, I, my memory is horrible for, for these, but the ones I remember, I can remember them because my mother took pictures and I've seen the pictures like in old family albums and stuff, but I remember there's one where I was probably, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 and it was Spider-Man, but it was weird. It was like it was a Spider-Man mask, and it was a really cool-looking Spider-Man mask. It was one of those ones you're talking about, you know, where it was like the half half your head, and then, and then it like had the rubber band around the back of your head. But then there was no costume. It was a like a rain slicker, like a yes. poncho. Yes. And it had a picture of Spider-Man on the yes. front. I love that thing, but looking back, I'm like, that that's, that's a cheesy. Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's cheesy. Yeah, that's super cheesy. But I loved it. I thought it was cool. And, I, uh -huh. you know, the pic picture, I look so cute in the picture. You know, I'm just a little, you know, nine, ten-year-old kid, you know, little wearing shaver. that. And I had a, uh, at that time, in my childhood, I had a ventriloquist mannequin that was, like, my best friend. And took it like every, it is. Yeah, it is very creepy. But I, in the picture, he's dressed up, too. And he's got, like, the long, like, the fake fingernails and, like, vampire teeth. And it's, I mean, you, you see the picture, it looks really cute. But then you think about it, and it's like, oh, that's kind of off-putting. But uh, my favorite costume that I can remember, and it's funny because I look at the pictures, and I'm like, wow, that looked like shit. But uh, I made a homemade Boba Fett costume. I remember that. I was so proud of that costume. But really, I mean, it did look good. The only problem with it was that everything was homemade except for the helmet. And the helmet was store-bought, and it was one of these, you know, when Star Wars was out and was a big deal, I don't know if a lot of people remember, there were a lot of knockoff Star Wars items, you know, right. like cheesy shit, you know, that was like trying to cash in. So I had this helmet that was kind of a cross between Darth Vader a stormtrooper and like a motorcycle helmet. So it didn't really look that much like Boba Fett, but it was like the closest thing I had. So the helmet stood in for like Boba Fett's helmet, but everything else I handmade. And it's like, I turned like an old sweatshirt inside out and like out of like magazines and things meticulously drew everything that was on Boba Fett's outfit. You know, the, the, like the green armored segments and that little weird emblem he wears on his on his uh, yeah some Mandalorian so, yeah the Mandalorian thing I had like the Wookie braids on my shoulder I took uh, um what do you call it toilet paper rolls you know like the empty toilet paper rolls uh -huh. and slid them long ways you know down the middle and then I I wore those on my wrist for like the wrist blasters right. and stuff. I did it all up. I mean, I was proud of myself. It didn't, you know, looking at the pictures, it really doesn't look very good. But, you know, but that's a pretty ambitious thing for, you know, for a 12-year-old kid who was, like, really into Star Wars. And I was I was super proud of it. 
But uh, yeah, I don't remember. I mean, everything else I'm sure was probably, you know, I'm sure it was all store bought. You know, I'm I'm sure I was Superman a year and probably Batman a year. Uh-huh. And it's funny, I got I, I honestly don't remember that any others, you know, distinctly. I remember having a Robin costume my mother made once, but I think that was actually just like like a costume for play. I don't know that I necessarily wore it out for Halloween or anything like that, but I was always one of those kids, you know, to to tie a towel around my neck and go running around playing, you right. know, when it, you know, I was big when I was a kid, I was really big into uh Captain Marvel because of the uh the show, you know, the Shazam. And so I can always remember wanting to be, uh, you know, tying a towel and tying it kind of funny and not right around your neck because, you know, Captain Marvel's cape isn't right around his neck like everybody else's. It kind of hangs there because it's by a rope, you know, like kind of like Darth Vader's chain cape, you know. It was like that and it right. kind of him funny. And uh, I used to love that. I always wanted to be Captain Marvel. I don't I wonder if they ever even made a, Cap- a Captain Marvel Halloween costume I'm for sure kids. They I don't did. remember seeing one. But yeah, man, I love that. And then, of course, you know, we got too old for trick or treats. Well, I, I just remembered a cost. I actually <clears throat> won a, a costume contest at when it you, when it was still going. There was a Carthage Boys Club, and I can't remember how I got entered in the contest. But I, my sister and I were entered in the in the in the contest. And you would walk around in the boys' club where they usually played basketball or dodgeball. And, you know, they would eliminate people one by one. And I had a baby costume. And I had the diaper. <laughs> and at the time, we'd found a giant dog chew that looked like a, you know, like a a baby's, um, oh, what are the little rubber nipple things? Pacifier. Binky? So it looked like a giant binky, yeah. And I had that hanging around my neck, and I would chew on it. And I won first place, and... And I won a trip to Camp Mohawk to, for summer camp, and I didn't want to go. So I, so my <laughs> sister, so my sister went instead. Was that like that like KOA village that was like on your way out to like Lo- Lake Bonaparte? No, was that, that was just a KOA campground. No, okay. the, Lake Mohawk or um, Camp Mohawk. Mo- yeah, the, it was a summer camp, and I can't remember who. You know, if it was religiously run, you know, religiously where, run or something. Where was it though? Um, you know, I'm not sure. It was probably like 20 minutes outside of town. That's all I remember. I just remember going there to pick up, pick up my sister after she was there, and uh, and it was if I mean there were only two summer camps around there. There was one near the Thousand Islands. It was a 4-H summer camp, and there was uh, Camp Mohawk. And that's where you. And I by that time I think I instinctively knew that summer camp was prison for kids. So, you know, good place to get rid of them. And I thought, well, if my sister goes, I'd get rid of her for a couple of weeks during the summer, too. So it worked out really nicely. You just reminded me that one of these days I need to call my Aunt Joanne and and thank her for not realizing until this moment how grateful I am that she and my uncle used to take me and we'd get in their Winnebago and we'd stay gone like the whole fucking summer while my parents worked and stuff. Uh-huh. And I never was subjected to fucking summer camp. Because I can just imagine. I never did it, so I don't know. Maybe I'm dead wrong. But it looks to me like it would fucking suck. I went so to I'm summer so camp. glad I never went. I went to summer camp and there were some enjoyable parts to it. But for the most part, it sucked. And it was... Uh, it was one of those things where the only thing you had to drink was warm, like, milk 
<sighs> the whole time, and like, at the end of the week, it was a big deal. They gave you a nice little Dixie cup full of warm Kool-Aid, and everybody was just like, g -g 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 more, more, more. No, that's all you get. <laughs> Kool-Aid. You know, so while, while you were doing that, I was traveling the highways and byways of the land, and you know, hanging out with professional sprint car racers. How fucking awesome was yeah. that? <laughs> Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> you know, I never, I never think about my my childhood very often and go, I had an awesome childhood. But in that aspect, I had yeah, an that's, awesome childhood. That's great. Yeah, that was cool. That was very cool. But uh, so uh, where are we at? Where? So now we're we're older and now how I. When did we go out for Halloween together in Black River? Well, I started out my troubled high school <laughs> Halloweens in Carthage. And, uh, I, you know, to the, to, for the life of me, I'm trying to remember who I... I think probably it was, like, either Will Howard, um, this kid George Clark comes to mind. Mm -hmm. It would be just a bunch of those guys would go out and we would just... Now, Will Howard, I would stay over his house and his house was probably you know, like a quarter mile outside of town of Carthage, and we would pitch a tent in his backyard, we're going to sleep in the tent, and then as soon as his parents were asleep, we'd be out causing trouble, so, you know, Halloween This story was, sounds familiar. Halloween was just, you know, that, except every other kid was out there doing it, so every bike that, you know, nobody locked up bikes, and they didn't even have really bike lock chains then, so you'd go take people's bikes and put them up in trees, and people, kids found out that you could kick the lamp posts at a at a certain place, and it would put the light out. And <laughs> you know, toilet papering, you know, your standard standard stuff. But then after a while, we discovered Black River. Now the thing about Carthage is Carthage had a whole police force. Mm -hmm. Black River had Don Doney, one man. And what a man. What a pussy. Everybody knew it, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Black River, and it, I mean, and I I remember it escalating. I don't, I don't remember if my first Black River was, probably my first Black River Halloween was with you, but it might not have been. It, you know, I, I remember spending Halloween in Black River with, of all people, Barry O'Brien. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Talk about crazy. But... The most memorable ones, by the time you and I were doing Halloween in Black River, that was when when Don Doney realized that he couldn't do it all alone, and he would hire rent-a-cops, because everybody had found out you can go to Black River, so it was rampaging kids from all the little towns around there, and... and the great thing about going with you guys is you, is Randy lived in Black River and you were in Feltz Mills, but you might as well, you know, you, your last name was Gardner. Basically, yeah, basically you were in Black River. Yeah. So, so like Don Doney, he had he had a hard on for the kids that were coming from Carthage and Watertown to spread trouble in his town, and the people in his town were spreading trouble too. But they mostly got to go home, you know, <laughs> just just. Well, I used to love the on the rare instances when I'd actually get caught, you know, because we did a lot of shit and never got caught. But on the oh, yeah. rare instances when I would ever get caught, it would be every once every maybe couple of years he'd catch me, and you know, 
pull me over or, or you know put me in his car whatever and he'd give me a real good look and he'd go aren't you skipper's boy and i go yeah and he'd go all right um you just need to go home he was terrified of my father and my father knew it too. Well, I don't so know what your dad looks he, like now, but he looked like Charles Manson back then. Yeah, he still kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, this evidently went back a long, long way. <laughs> this went. This was like a you know deep-seated childhood thing. Uh huh. Where <laughs> knew my father would fucking break him in two and never forgot it. So yeah, I never, I never, and I'm telling you, he caught me red-handed in some shit. You know, yeah, some shit that where a regular, you know, normal police officer would have thrown me under the fucking jail. You know, these, these days you you would have been thrown in jail for sure. Oh yeah, I'd have wound up in fucking juvie hall or something. Absolutely, but yeah, he, uh, you know, he he was not the. I mean, he this guy made uh, what's Don Knotts character there, uh, Barney Fife. He made him look like Dirty Harry. You know, he just didn't have any teeth. Because my favorite Don Doney story of all time was uh there was that bridge that went right. from separated you know, black, black river, river basically separated by the black river and uh there was that bridge that went from you know the the larger part of town to just the little small side of town where really all it was i mean black river is nothing just a it's few a tiny little town there's nothing there to speak of other than there was a convenience store that was also a gas station when we were kids. And we'd walk all the way because, of course, we couldn't live close to the fucking thing. It was clear on the other side of town. Right. So that was the only thing to do when we were kids was to walk from where we lived out in the fucking boondocks down to the convenience store. Now, if, if anybody ever know, if anybody knows where Fort Drum, New York is, the, the army base where they train the, what is it, the 101st or something like that? They're over in Iraq right now. The, yeah. I mean, they're, they're like the elite of the army. Yeah. Um, that's where Black River is. They're, they're right outside the main gate of Fort Drum. So Fort Drum is a big deal in that area, but Black River is just a little satellite town, you know? Nothing there. Or at least there wasn't then. I haven't been there in 20 years. It's just, it's exactly the same. I imagine I so. last year. It hadn't changed since my grandfather was a kid, so I didn't imagine it had changed since I've been away. But when we were, when I lived there, I mean, there was there was not a goddamn thing. I mean, I don't even think there was a restaurant. They, it's not that they didn't try. I mean, they put an arcade in once when we were kids, and I was thrilled, and that lasted maybe a month, and then that folded, you know, because kids would go in there and steal free games and shit. But, but anyway. This one Halloween, we had to be getting older by this point, because I I remember. I remember a lot of the older kids being there, and yes. I didn't usually stay out late enough to where the really older kids were out. But this Halloween, we were. It seemed like every kid that lived within, you know, fifty miles was there that night. Yeah, and every raising, friend, every enemy. Yep, everybody was raising hell. So. Some, for some reason, we were all gathered near the bridge. There were there were kids on the bridge. There were kids on both sides of the bridge. But there, I'm talking like, what would you say, Chris? Were you there that night? Oh yeah, I know the there, night you're there talking had to, about. What, there had to be what for like 1,500 people there. It was like a goddamn who concert. Yeah, it was crazy. So Don Doney, there, there, there were kids on the rooftops throwing. Oh yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So Don Doney, hero cop, pulls up on the bridge. <laughs> Now, you know, he's a lone motherfucker. He's a pussy and everybody knows it. He's got no backup at all, you know. 
And, you know, anybody he could possibly call to help him out is taking care of the real towns in our area, you know? So they're not, you know, it's not like the, the, the sheriff or the state patrol is going to come all the way out to fucking Black River to help this dork, right? So he gets out of his car, cinches up his pants, and he's trying to act the hero. And he says something ignorant like, you know, you all need to just go on home or whatever the hell he said. <laughs> Anything and, he said would have been ignorant at that point. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's like it's like bullet time. It's like shit slowed down. And you can tell <laughs> a half nanosecond before it happened. Yes. <laughs> realized. You could smell I it. I just fucked myself. Yes. <laughs> Every kid there was armed to the teeth with eggs and we peppered the fuck out of him he was covered head, head to, toe to toe in, in seconds before he could even open the door and throw <laughs> his fat ass back in he was he was just coated with eggs we bombarded the shit out of his car he drove off i with, mean with like, his a, windshield like a windshield wipers going to yeah, wipe yeah. the eggs off it Nobody saw him for like days after that. He was <laughs> humiliated, right? Oh, it was it was awesome. So he drives off. He's lucky he didn't run over somebody. He drove away so fast because I mean the kids were everywhere. They were in the street and everywhere. He drove off, and you never heard. I mean, it sounded like like you know we'd won the war. You know, I mean, it was like yeah, sheer it was Mad Max whooping and hollering, and oh, it was awesome. But I mean, it was all kids, so it was like this. Uh, I don't know, man. It was like this. It was. It reminded me of that scene in Logan's Run, you know, where they go to the nursery, you know, and all the fucking juvenile delinquents have been sentenced there. You know, it's, it, it was awesome. It, it was fucking awesome. It reminded me of the scene in in the Road Warrior, where all the hooligans ride up to the people. You know, Don Doney's the guy behind the the fence, and he just gets on the megaphone and is just just walk away, <laughs> just walk away, and you'll live. Think about it. <laughs> it was the only awesome, thing man. you can do. Just walk away. And, but I uh, mean, that wasn't even the worst thing that well, that we well, witnessed that, or privy to or whatever. That year was the year that we smelled blood. That we knew he couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. and and that and that the word had also gotten out. Every every kid knew to go there and raise hell. You know, mm-hmm. it, it had been our little secret before that. It had been our secret little rampage town. And I remember we'd get caught. We'd be going to the convenience store and buying, like, do- bags full of eggs, dozens and dozens of eggs. And he'd pull over and Randy would just go, I'm taking eggs home to my mother. She's making she sent- a really big omelet. <laughs> yeah, she sent me for eggs and I'm taking eggs home. Well, just make sure you get back home. I'll do whatever I want, you know. And uh, so, so after that year, we were pumped for it. I mean, that was the year. The year after that, that was the year. Like four months after Halloween, I was taking eggs. I was buying eggs and hiding them in between the floorboards of the of our neighbor's barn down the street and just leaving them there, not to not to come out until Halloween time. And I, you left eggs outside of our garage for like months. Yeah, that yeah. we had that. I had them planted all over the place. Yeah. Uh huh. Just oh wait, and those things stink. were the foulest. But you know, like by the time it got to Halloween, the shells on those eggs were starting to get like soft, 
and the insides of them were black and oily and like the smell of sulfur it was almost like a cartoon with the green smelly lines coming off it, it when you'd pop those things out was it my school bus that you broke one on oh yeah yeah, I was trying to remember. That was horrible. <laughs> it fucking smelled like a dead body. It was one of those things that you instantly regret doing because you have to suffer the consequences along with everybody else. You know, not as, you know, at least if it's your own fart or something like that, you know, you can somewhat stand it because it's, you know... Own, it was totally is... worth it because I knew that my bitch of a bus driver was going to have to clean up that up. All the way back to wherever she parked the bus at. She so had to clean it up fast before it ate through the bottom of the bus. <laughs> now, I remember I remember having those eggs, and we used to deploy them like tactical weapons. Well, anyway, the first year that those eggs came into play, that was the first year that Don Doney started using rent-a-cops. He would hire local idiots. Who knew what they were? Were they volunteer firemen or whatever? Nobody knew who they were, but he'd hire, like, rent-a-cops to walk around town and radio into him when anything was going on. And they they got a rude awakening their first year because nobody took them seriously. I've never... That was the first time I heard the word rent-a-cop was Randy going, what are you going to do about it, rent-a-cop? <laughs> <laughs> you going to call Don Doney? Call Don Doney, rent-a-cop. <laughs> he was very brazen at Halloween time. Yeah. I mean, he was brazen anyway, but he put on like an extra set of balls at, at, yeah. at Halloween man he just because he knew yeah he knew that you know they wouldn't do because even if you know my dad who you know we live like the next town away even if dad was busy or couldn't do anything or anything any one of randy's older brothers would kick his ass you know don Doni's, i mean if he had the audacity to even stop randy for something right. you know so that guy had just i i almost feel sorry for him he had no authority or no real power at all to do shit he was just—he was that scared of my dad and his younger brothers that he just wouldn't do shit. It was funny though. The thing I think back on was it became some something of a tradition, and I don't know whether to still think it's funny because we used to think it was funny, but now I don't know whether to still think it's funny or think that maybe that was kind of wrong. But every year, every fucking year, somebody busted the window to the library. Oh, the library yeah. had that massive, massive, you know, huge. like, uh, I don't know what you would call that kind of a window, but it was like a like a huge picture window. Tell you, well, like, I you thought imagine it was if, a post office. No, no, that was, I think maybe at one time, like. The post in, office got it too. <laughs> oh, yeah, the post office definitely got it. I did that shit myself, but we're not talking about that. But no, this this was the, uh, the li- I think maybe at one time the library may have been a store because it had almost like a grocery store a window feel window, to it. Yeah. yeah. But it was this just massive window, and they put all these displays out there and all this stuff. Every goddamn year, that window would get broke. Every year, and I remember one year actually being witness to it when it happened because I never did it. I will, I will put that on. There. I never broke the window at the library, but I was witness to it one year where somebody just walking along and just you could see it on their face. They just looked at the window and thought, "Oh, the window didn't get broke this year." Picked up the fucking garbage can and heaved it through the window. And it's like, okay, now now Halloween is complete. You know, yes. it was just that whole scene. That was the look of it. Was like, oh, we forgot about the window. You yeah. know, and it was like every goddamn year that window got. And I, I imagine that shit got expensive too. I mean, glass that big's not cheap. You know, but oh man, I'm telling you. I mean, 
thankfully, our hell raising was mostly confined to just we'd go to the square and have a big egg fight. And, you know, yeah, yes, maybe some cars or buildings would get hit, but we were mostly hitting each other, you know? It was like it was like Carthage yeah. kids trying to hit the car kid, or I mean, uh, Black River were, kids trying to hit the Carthage kids or whatever. Even, it was like a gang thing. Even with the even with the and and just people who didn't like each other, but there were never, you know. Now that I think about it, there were never any brawls or like fist fights or anything. Uh, yeah, it was all later like, the later there were, but see, that's I was going to say that it was well, eventually. I remember you almost got in a brawl one year. Yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> and this was the year of the black eggs. Well, I remember at one point, you remember Trisha Dunn, right? Oh yeah. You remember Trisha Dunn? She came running across the bridge and we were, and that bridge was one of those old school steel, I don't know if it was steel or iron, probably just heavy metal and it had ribs to it. So if you're you crossing... Could shoot- you could shoot an anti-artillery round at that fucking bridge, and it wasn't and going. And it would anywhere. bounce off it, and and so you had the you had it was one of those uh, graded bridges. So it and where the cars went over was graded ground, and where the sidewalk was, there was a a sort of fence, you know. So there was there was a good four or five feet, you know before where the cars were so you had this sort of blocked in area where you could hide in the ribs of it and this and pop out to people who are crossing the bridge unless they were crossing on the in the car part which you weren't supposed to do but it was Halloween so and I remember we were on that bridge and Trisha Dunn came running down the street and these guys were just peppering her with eggs and I gave her one of those black eggs and this was just after you were, I think you had like that saddle bag and you had one of those eggs in the saddle bag and, you, and you'd and you squashed up against the ribs of the bridge and squashed it in the bag and it just started stinking and I gave her one of these eggs and she walked right up to the one of the guys and squashed it right on top of his head oh, yeah. and he just went running away like a dog with his tail between his legs. I remember <laughs> chucking him up on, people were throwing him throwing eggs from the top of the roof of some apartment building and we just like tossed two or three of those eggs out there up there and they were like hand grenades they cleared it out you know <laughs> they all left because you couldn't stand to be around those things when they broke it was horrendous in a, in a righteous world you really should have seen them like toppling off the buildings like an old western or something you know yeah like, yeah ah! that that, you know? that would be the idealized version of it but it was <laughs> it was the real world version of that basically <laughs> Do you remember, I, now I think this was Halloween, but there, there, there was one time, it was near where Trisha Dunn lived, near that park, you know, and mm-hmm. just sort of going out of Black River, and uh, there was a trail that went over to the river, and then there was a park, and I remember filling potholes up with black paint, filling, just like, no, black I don't paint remember the potholes and the cars would go over. I remember being parked. I remember running across that field once with the Percy's chasing us. Do you remember that? No, I they don't remember their, that either. They had their car and they were like driving their car across that like baseball field and we were like huddled in the bushes. And I remember Randy was huddled in the bushes and he was laugh, you know, he was snickering the whole time. And then, like, one of the guys gets out of the car, and you, I could see on Randy's face, you know, abject terror. 
Like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, those motherfuckers were crazy. They'd and, kill you well, for a nickel. Literally, yeah, they'll kill you. And and I didn't know that at the time. And Randy shut right up. I mean, he went from being like, <laughs> to like, boom, dead silent. And, uh, you know, not moving, not moving a muscle. And uh, so, you know, I followed his cue. And after they left, he's like, oh, my God, that was the Percy's, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I think that's when he told me the story of... Uh, Tim Percy getting a, like his electricity cut off or something, so he went and shot up, you know, the the electric company. I don't and doubt he'd it. He'd recently gotten out of jail for that. <laughs> I think they were the only people in that area that were more feared than my dad was the fucking Percys because they they were fucking crazy. Yeah. I think they're they were all on something, but they were literally fucking nuts. They'd do anything, and I think some of them had done like serious. Some there's probably some of them oh, doing serious. Yeah today but yeah they were fucking crazy they, they were like they were, biker, they were like bikers basically yeah they yeah. they they would hunt you down and kick in your head yeah. so there were there were some they drawbacks were, were of, draw there were some definite like you know things you had to watch out for in black river well i think Halloween. that year that we were talking about the year you know that we we bombed Donny with the eggs on i think that was really the beginning of the end of yes. really the fun halloweens where yeah, you know, there was some property damage and shit like that. But, I mean, for the most part, it was intended to just be a release. You know, we were yes. really just intending to just, you know, go throw eggs at each other, fuck around for a few hours, and then everybody goes home. But once you started to bring in other towns, then you get into gang territory. You know, then you get into some serious shit. Well, and it's, within it's a like few anything, years... like anything, when you get a lot of people involved, people are very intelligent as individuals but the more you get into a crowd or a mob the dumber and dumber humans get and it was getting dumber and dumber and then with more kids that means there's more things to happen and that means there's more things to one up right and it became a game of like i remember there was a time period in school where everybody would sneak squirt guns in and it was mm. really fun to sneak a squirt gun in and squirt everybody and then it turned into like, okay, that's get kind of boring. Let's fill the squirt guns with uh, perfume, <laughs> and then you squirt somebody with stinky perfume, and that really sucked. But it was funny, you know, in, in, you know, in a little kid sort of way. But then like kids were like, let's put nair in it, <laughs> and we'll start, you know. And it always, you know, if you leave it in the hands of kids and teenagers, it always will step over that line at some point and have to be squashed or curtailed somehow, or, you know. If, if you just let it escalate to its natural state of decay. <laughs> and that's what it did. I'm sure... Well, I'm sure Don Doney's probably dead by now. Or he's definitely too old to be a oh, cop. Yeah, so it's, a it's a probably a different world there. It's probably, you know, there's probably more uh, of a Homeland Security vibe around there because it's right <laughs> by the, I mean, literally, you're a stone's throw away from Fort Drum. Mm -hmm. We would we, uh, we would be walking in the woods and all of a sudden we would be on Fort Drum property. You know, we'd see a sign and be like, oh, hey, look, we're on the 
Shit, we used to right now. we used to go over to Fort Drum and sneak onto the. I mean, it's fucking restricted property. You're not you got no business being over there. That's where we got our Christmas tree every year. <laughs> go, well, they had a they had a great big uh, what do you call that like a like a tree nursery where they grew these great big beautiful fucking pine trees and we'd sneak over there and cut down a pine tree every year and drag the fucking thing home and that was our Christmas tree. It was that was not happening them. anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, and now you're asking to get shot. You know, yeah. they probably fucking shit mine. You know, mined or barbed wired or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that base was open back then. Oh, yeah. We used to go and last... pick blueberries there. Do you remember my Camaro that I had? Uh-huh. The last night I had my Camaro because I would sold it. And the last night that I had it... Well, see, I got stopped one day on the way to work because there was one road that I had to go on. You know, it's like I'd come out of where I lived and you know take all these side streets through town and stuff and then i would get on whatever that major road was that went from black river to watertown but you, there was a one road where you had to turn on that came out of fort like if you went to the right you'd go into fort drum well i was going to the left away from fort drum and then on to the major road that went all the way into town well fort drum claimed that they own that road which is bullshit their right. authority is at the fucking gate i know this because i was an sp so I got pulled over one day by the fucking military police. And they said that I ran a stop sign. And, you know, of course, being young and cocky and a smart ass, and I had been doing their job not six months prior, you know, I was out of the service by this point. I got wise with them. I was like, yeah, so fucking what if I did? I said, what's it to you? I said, you know, you're military police. They said, well, this is Fort Drum property. I said, the fuck it is. I said, the gate's over there. I said, your boundary is around those, you know, the fence, the inside of that fence. I said, you shouldn't even be on this side. So he got all pissed because I was getting mouthy with him, but I was right. So he says, just wait here. So he goes back to his car, and I know goddamn well he was calling the local police. So I wait for a little bit, but I keep thinking, what the fuck's he going to do if I just drive off? Why why am I waiting here? Yeah, exactly. So I finally get out of the car. To go back to talk to him and to ask him basically, what what is your beef? You know, what's your problem? I know I didn't run the goddamn stop sign. They're just looking to pad their fucking wallets, basically. You know, they're generating revenue for the base any time they give out a ticket. Uh huh. So I went back to talk to him, and he gets all you know, get back in your he's out he's he locks his doors and starts <laughs> getting on the loudspeaker. Get back in your vehicle. You know, get back in your goddamn. He's cussing, swearing, having a fit. Yeah. Get back in your car. So I'm like, look, dude, I'm late for work now because of your bullshit. I'm leaving. I'm going to work. Don't you drive off. Don't you drive off. So I wave out the window. I fucking drive off. So I get to work, and I've stewed about this shit all the way to work. So I get to work, and I call the, what the fuck do they call it, provost marshal, which is basically the liaison between the base and civilians. I no sooner start to say what my beef is, and this guy fucking goes nuts. He's already been briefed on the situation, right? And they're they're want they're wanting my blood, right? They're fucking pissed that I just drove off and told them to go fuck themselves, basically. So this guy's like, you know, first he's calling me every name in the book and everything, and then he switches tactics and tries to play good cop, you know. And he's like, I'll tell you what, Mister Gunn. He goes after work. Why why don't you stop by my office? <laughs> fucking idiot you know i mean yeah right you know all i've got to do is cross that line into the yeah, base and, and you're there 
territory. They could take me out to the middle of nowhere and shoot me and leave me for all I know, you know? That, I'm like, dude, I am not a fucking idiot. You know, what do you think you're dealing with here? I said, you may be used to getting away with that shit with the locals that don't know any better. I said, look, I just got off a stint as a fucking security policeman. I know the ins and outs. You're not fooling me. I don't know you shit. And, you know, basically get off my case about it. So they had it out for me for a while after that. Well, you remember the Camaro I had? Yeah. I sold that Camaro, and on the last night that I had it, I went for a fucking joyride through Black <laughs> through Fort Drum, and I gave those motherfuckers a merry chase for a good hour. I ran the fuck out. <laughs> I ragged. Because the problem was is they could get on my ass, but any time they ever did, I'd just drive out the fucking gate, and they can't do shit, you uh -huh. know? And I, I planned it and did it in such a way that I knew enough about the base and where all the exits and things were that I could run them ragged and drive out a thing. And even if they called ahead to, like, the local police, they didn't have gone. time to get yeah. So I, I ran them fucking ragged and then finally <laughs> just went home. And then the car I, I had sold, the guy I had sold the car to was a GI living on the <laughs> So, oh, no. What? he had to deal with after that shit but it was great i i, I felt so vindicated because that car nothing on the fucking road was touching that car i mean you remember that car yeah. you know it was it was soup to the shit it had nitrous they weren't <laughs> yeah. touching that fucking car and i ran the piss out of those guys i knew they had to be really steaming by the, by the time i just drove off because i drove off through like there's one of those back gates i forget what number it is it's like a super obscure like hardly used gate and i drove off and just totally lost and I can see they followed me for quite a ways out the gate but eventually they may probably end up getting called back or something but I could tell they were fucking pissed I'm surprised they didn't take a shot at me I had a blast doing that shit that wasn't exactly a Halloween thing but my friend but it David was Redfield used to drive his three wheeler on Fort Drum and get him to chase him and they chased him once and he hit a tree Ooh. flew off it busted his helmet in half knocked him right out cold they drove up and as he was waking up, he could hear them go, Shit, we killed him! And they drove off. <laughs> <laughs> and his helmet was split right down the middle. We used to go party on the other side of the tracks on civilian territory when they'd be having war games. And we'd all have beers and stuff and be like, Hey, we're having a great time over here. What are you guys doing? It's probably pretty cold over there, huh? And they'd like shine their lights on us. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any other good, really, really good Halloween stories from that from that era. I remember well, getting I remember, in a lot of. I remember oh, go ahead. when I remember thinking the one time I thought you were going to get killed is the year of the black eggs. I can't remember if I even dressed up as anybody, but you were in you were in Indiana Jones gear with full bullwhip. And I'll just say to our listeners out there. Scott didn't mess around. It wasn't one of those... At first, you got one of those, like, carnival bullwhips, you know, that are, like, what, maybe two feet long, three feet long, with a little, you know, a crappy little Mexican-made Yeah, as soon as thing. I got access to the real thing, though, I learned how to use the fucking and, thing. And didn't your dad find it or something? Or I can't remember how you ended up getting a... Uh, it was a friend of my dad had it. We were over at his house. Like, my dad was, like, buying a car or some fucking thing. I don't remember. Some friend of my dad's... All my dad's friends were, like... You know, into cars. Right. And we were in this guy's house, and he had it like, I don't know, it was like under a table or some shit. It was like, you know, like a souvenir. And I got all excited. I was like, oh, wow, is that a real, you know, because I was into Indiana Jones yeah. by then. And he was like, yeah, you want it? You know, so he just gave it to me. You know, it was a oh. real 
mean, I don't know where he got it out, like in the West somewhere, you know? Yeah, it was it like was a, a real authentic thing. bullwhip, you know? It's like a good, what, nine, ten feet long or whatever, however long they yep, are. Braided, bra- nice thing, and braided and ready for action, yeah. That thing of terror, you hit it, that thing of terror fucking cannon too, you know? I mean, it was, yeah. it was a real authentic bullwhip, and I real quick applied myself and learned how to use it. Yeah. Well, I remember your dad thought you were nuts because you'd be out by the side of the house, right by that big picture window that your dad put in, by where the TV was. Mm-hmm. And we'd be out there with cardboard boxes and cans just whipping the hell out of all of them. And, you know, that's when I would be over there with you. But when I wasn't around, you were still out there just practice, practicing, practicing that whip. And uh, I remember, I remember you had it, like slung up and ready to go at Black River and somebody was chasing us across the bridge and you turned around and cracked that whip oh probably just you know a millimeter from his nose it just it just snapped right at the end of his nose and stopped him dead in his tracks <laughs> and I remember he that. just got I can't even remember who what what the kid's name was but he got murder in his eyes at that moment. He was just like, and I was like, oh my God, he's going to come over here and just like tear. I, 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 all he did was end up, yell, he was yelling, you could have killed me. And you're like, well. <laughs> yeah, well, leave me the fuck alone then. What do you, you know, what do you want? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, for, I forgot about that. He used yeah, to bring I that did. bullwhip right to school and, then, and like way pre Columbine days. <laughs> yep. Oh, I gotten some shit about it too. Yeah. Somebody somebody on the bus ratted me out and I ended up having to go and explain that shit to uh Rambo Bob. He wasn't too happy about that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was those pre uh pre Columbine, you know, you'd never heard of shit like that back then, so yeah. you, we yeah. never would have imagined in a million years going into school like through a metal detector or anything like that, you know. It was ridiculous. I remember really good Halloween shit like that. Well, I remember one year we went out for Halloween, and you know people have to remember this is upstate New York. You know, it, it, it's fucking cold. You know, it's by Halloween time. You know, but I remember one year going out, and uh, I don't, I don't know how old we were, but we were young. We were getting, we were, I'm, we were probably still trick or treating by this point. So we were younger, but we were getting to that stage where you wanted to raise a little hell too. And this particular year, for Halloween, we had goddamn snow on the ground. And uh, we went to this one house, and uh, they had a snowman in the front yard. And, you know, being young punks and wise asses, we would typically, if we, you know, if it was late at night like that and dark out, and you came across a snowman, you'd wreck it, you know? You just thought, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, just being mean, I guess. Well, whoever the the parents, I imagine it must have been whoever it was. They were wise to us, and they had poured water on the on the snowman. Oh. So me, I'm, I'm thinking I'm being you know Mr. Smartass, and I go to punch the head off this this thing, and it's like punching a fucking concrete block. I about busted my hand. It was like boom, and it didn't even move. It was like ah, goddamn, it was frozen. That's pretty soft. funny. <laughs> It is funny, but at the time it hurt like a bitch. <laughs> They're probably sitting in the house laughing. They're probably oh, yeah, waiting sure. all night, looking out the window, waiting for, waiting for some somebody. And finally, you came along. 
just like the uh, library, you know. Oh, a snowman! <laughs> I'm trying to remember some of the other crazy shit we, we did. I want to say that we used to go out in the woods and go out to uh, whatever that one that one road was that ran like right through the woods. Sure. Yeah, I know exactly. Just to go out there and hit and throw eggs, but that, I, that might not necessarily have been Halloween because we did that shit we all the time. We just used to do that stuff all the time, yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of Halloween when we got older, we would go down by the river and we'd have a big bonfire down there. And I look back at those bonfires we used to do where it's like all the kids went down to the bonfire yeah. and we drank and I think I think a lot of fucking was going on actually, was, although I ne never seemed to get any action. Or, so, but. or some variant of it, of of oh, there's teenage groping going on, I'm sure, but not as much as everybody said there was. How the hell did we never set the woods on fire? I, that's the thing that, that remains a mystery to me to this day. All the bonfires we ever had that we never started, like, major shit in the woods, you know? Well, <laughs> those bonfires, probably there had been generations doing it there. Because usually where there would be a fire... There would be a big bear area around where everybody had parked their cars or stood, you know, that's where everybody stood around the bonfire. You know, it was well-worn area, and it was one of those things where the cops pretty much left you alone. I mean, we used to do, the, it was a, all these winding streets down to the, to the river, and uh, we would, uh, once again, to Barry O'Brien, I remember one point... Barry O'Brien had this car. And Why was, did you hang around with him so much? That guy I, was a douchebag. He was he was friends with um, what's I met him through Doug Barney, and Doug Barney and Doug Barney was friends with Darren DeVito and those guys, and they were kind of douchebags. You know, they were my friends, but they were kind of like Darren was kind of a rich kid. Doug was working class, so and Doug was just like. An honest, happy-go-lucky, friendly guy, you know? He was just a good guy. And uh, he'd known Barry O'Brien for years. And I just... And, like... I'd met Barry O'Brien and Dan Huney, I think, at the same time. Which was quite an experience. <laughs> and, uh... And, you know... It, it, Barry O'Brien could be fun, he, fun to be around. He had this car... I can't remember what it was, but it was a big four-door luxury car, and it was on its last legs. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to trash this car. He was going to trash it and throw it, like, in his old man's backyard or something. But in, a, in, you know, some drunken moment, he decided he would rather play Road Warrior with it, is what he called it. And he took that car, and he pulled up and he's like meet me at the you know at the entrance to the river and we go there at the end of the road and he's there with the car and we follow him you know and it's these winding roads and we get about halfway there and he stops his car and he opens up the trunk and he's got golf clubs and baseball bats and hooks and cinder blocks and bricks and he just starts throwing them all out and he's like all right, grab whatever you guys want. I'm gonna, ju I'm just gonna drive, and he was drive that car up from the river, up to the street, and back to the street, back down to the river, and we were scattered all through the woods. And when we saw him coming, 
we would come running out of the woods with baseball bats and start beating on the car, smashing the windows out of it, jumping on it. It was crazy till it, till it was dead. Till he ran it dead. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of something about it. It just occurred to me that he was the one. There was this one time, me and, uh, you remember Tammy that I used to be with. Uh-huh. We were uh, we were out in the woods down by the river, and uh, I I can't remember what car I had then. It might have been that little Mustang, but I forget. But I got her out in, in the woods down there, which was like you know she didn't grow up from there, so she didn't realize where we were going. But you know that was like that was like the fucking makeout spot, right? right. So if you're going down there, you were going down there for a reason, right? So I managed to to get her down there. And for like the first time in our relationship, and we'd been dating for quite a while by this point, I was actually getting somewhere. You know what I mean? So we, we had this uh, this sleeping bag, and we're out in the woods, and shit's getting hot and heavy. And all of a sudden, I hear a fucking uh, ATV, three or three or four-wheeler, and they're like honking the fuck out of the horn and everything. And I look up. And my car was like totally blocking the path through the woods. There was nowhere this person could go, you know, because there was no other way around where all the trees were and everything else. So then I've got to figure out, you know, I'm right in the middle of something. So I've got to figure out a way while in a fucking sleeping bag with another person to put my fucking clothes back on and go move my goddamn car. So I finally managed this and I get out there and I go to move my car and it was that motherfucker. It was Barry O'Brien. And he's just looking at me like, what the hell are you doing out there in the woods and asleep? And he never said anything, but he just had this look like, okay. You know, he I just. I'd have known, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it was weird. It, now that I think about it, it was him. He was out there tooling around. <laughs> Some crazy shit, man. Yeah. I'm sure there's still shit like that going on. I don't know if. Halloween's have like in this in this town a few little kids in this is a mid-sized town a few little kids go out to Halloween there isn't much hell raising that happens at Halloween I don't know if that's because we have a fully functioning police force and jail and facility <laughs> I get the feeling I know I hope somebody writes in and tells us we're dead wrong and gives us some great stories but I, I have that, a, that would kind be of a good. lost art you know let's, let's do that let's let's solicit stories if if you guys have any stories out there from of Halloween past, the crazy hell the racing, better. yeah, hell. yeah, come to our come to our forum site and and tell us. I would love to. Maybe we'll do a follow up sometime where we'll read some of the good Halloween stories. And don't don't write in condemning us for being juvenile delinquent because we know we <laughs> we're already well aware that yeah. you know we were we were got bad it. bad we got kids. It. Yeah. Got it, yeah, it's clear. Our parents beat it into us, so we oh. know. Well, you know what? The stories we've told tonight, we've done worse. <laughs> well, we've done worse, but the thing about those Halloweens we're talking about is that as bad as I might feel for some of the shit that I did, it's nowhere compared to some of the shit that did happen that I had nothing. I mean, because there, right. there were some years where fucking cars wound up on fire and shit like and I didn't have anything to do with that <laughs> shit. <laughs> no. I wasn't in I wasn't big on like fucking property destruction although, you know, Some, there is the happened, library. Yeah. There is the uh, or not the library but the uh, post office story but that's that's a little different story. Statue of limitations. But, you know, my my thing was more about, you know, the general, you know, the throwing eggs and raising hell and 
it seemed like every year somebody would end up either pissing or taking a dump in the main air take thing in the back of the convenience store. So then for like the rest of the winter, it would just fucking sink. <laughs> it was the only store in town. So you knew that like everybody that lived there, if you took a shit in the fucking ventilation oh, you're sharing system. it with the whole, whole town, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that happens here in this town, but the people who do it are just called bums. <laughs> But yeah, there's some of that. Well, we thought that was especially funny after they finally took on that. Do you remember that lady they took on? I can't remember what the hell her name was. But she was the one you would go in there, and she'd have names for everybody. And be like, oh, hi, sweetie pie, and hi, honey bunch. And she was a nice old lady, but it got on your nerves after a while. So my my father was merciless. He'd make fun of her, and he'd call her like, sugar ass <laughs> it was funny he'd, she'd go in there or he'd go in there paying for gas or something and she'd be like oh hi sweetie and he'd be like oh hey sugar ass or something. <laughs> it was it was funny you just see her have this look on her face like is he making fun of me or should i be a fa-? it was funny he was he would just get merciless with stuff like that but i thought it was funny you know i was just thinking about it and the whole you know not growing up thing and still being able to enjoy some of the stuff that I, you know, I can still go to Star Wars movies, I can still go get Star Wars figures, you know, I can still do all the stuff, I still ride a bike, god damn it, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I, but one of the things that I just could, that you can never go back to is like Halloween hell raising. Oh yeah. Because... <laughs> It takes on, you know, it beca- it goes from Halloween hellraising to felony now. So <laughs> it, it's just a pastime that adults cannot partake in, at least not. <laughs> if if you get caught on Halloween out egging people and you're a 40-year-old man, it's not going to look good. No, it's not. <laughs> it, it gets into, that gets into creepy territory then. Yeah. It's too bad. You know, the... The, the casual destruction that, that would sometimes go on in the teenage years that, you know, and if you got caught, you were going to end up, you know, with a ticket and you'd probably have to go and apologize to the, whoever it was and, you know, pay him back to fix it. But, you know, I may feel like I missed out on some things in, in, you know, in life by being, you know, a, a geek or freak or whatever. You know, as far as, I don't know, just some things other people may take for granted. But when it comes to shit like that, I, I feel like I lived. You know what I mean? I feel like I <laughs> got, got one up on... Share. Yeah, yeah. That was that was, that was was excellent. I wouldn't trade that that kind of shit for nothing. As, as bad as it might have been. Well, we were nerds. So we were nerds, but like, um, say Mike Cross and his friends, like the Phelps boys and stuff, they were nerdy too. But they were nerdy in a stay home and like watch Monty Python and play Dungeons and Dragons way. You know, there it was. It was your way of dealing with the boredom. And we were more. We, we were that weird combination of we were really nerdy, but at the same time we wanted to go out and you know out of boredom just bust things up. Yep. So, that's right. Oh. And that's kind of that's, an that's odd actually combination. Yeah, I think you know that because the whole thing with the Hall- with the Black River Halloweens, I think, 
I think it actually started as kind of a geek thing, really. I think it wasn't until you introduced, you know, like we were talking about, like the gang rivalry, and you got all those jock douchebags from from school that had their fucking pet, petty sports rivalries with other towns. That's what ruined the shit. Is when the you know the regular kids from school got in on it because up till that point it was really it was almost like a big losers party that just happened to take place on Halloween you know what I mean yeah yeah and Black River was our playground mm-hmm because the losers party was kind of like that too you know when we used to do that for parties. you know the, the kids that didn't go to prom because I didn't go to either one of my proms I didn't give a fuck I hated spending time with those people when I was forced to be I sure as hell didn't want to go do it in my off time so I didn't go to my prom did you go to the losers party that got busted by the by the sheriff's deputies were you at that one uh, I don't know because I was too drunk to remember no you, I, you would have remembered this one they they came down and it was after the prom got out because some people had shown up there from the prom and we were getting ready to leave at that point because it was fairly boring and it was very mellow. It was just a few people standing around drinking beers. It wasn't wild high school hellishness. And all of a sudden, there's like 20 sheriff's deputies' cars and they rounded us all up and they made us follow them to, to Watertown and they are like, we're going to take all your names. And they, you know, they did a news, there was a thing in the newspaper with all the names of the kids. And I remember them I'm just, part of that. we were in a parking lot in Watertown, all of this whole mass of kids. And the guy hands me a clipboard and he goes, all right, everybody, write your name on this clipboard. And, you know, I'm writing the names of all my enemies from high school. <laughs> and... The guy next to me writes the principal's daughter's name on it. Ooh. And uh another kid writes like the one of the one of the gym coach's daughter's names on it. And uh she ended up getting grounded for like six months because of that when that came out in the paper and she wasn't even there. And you know, I'm writing, you know, Dufo de Manzo or, you know, Airfield <laughs> Findelstein or something on there, you know, some whatever I can think of. And I, and my friend Pat Madison. Do you remember Pat Madison? No, I don't think so. He's a little squirrely black kid. He had a he he was like he had a a circular white patch of hair on the top of his head. Well, he was really quiet and wimpy, and he got really he would get really flustered around authority figures, you know. And and so he gets it. He starts writing his real name on it. And I remember this real drunk guy just going. Hey, 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 Pat, Pat, looking at the paper and going, Pat, that's your name, Pat? You don't have to be writing that down here. Don't you know somebody? Come on, you know somebody else's name. Give me, and then writes it down. There you go. <laughs> and then, you know, then we, get, we gave it back to the sheriffs and they let us go. And then the next day there was a newspaper article with all the fake names in it of all the people who weren't there. A bunch of dumbasses. Oh, it was great. Oh, that's great. That is great. No, I don't... What the hell year was that? That must have been the senior one or something. I can't remember. Because the one I was talking about, that was the junior one. And up until that point in my life, I probably hadn't ever had more than like a token sip of any kind of alcohol. And so we go to the loser's party, and it's like totally like fucking open bar, right? Yeah. It's down by the river, of course. Again, down by the river, you know, with a giant bonfire. And everybody I fucking knew was there. And for some reason, I get it in my head that all of a sudden I'm Mr. Fucking, you know, Mr. Drinker. 
And in like half an hour, I'm fucking sloshed. And it's the only time I've drank a lot in my life, especially when I was in the service. Jesus Christ, we drank every fucking weekend. But that's the only time I ever drank so much that I literally can't remember. I have like fucking like patches in my memory where there's just nothing there. And I've, I'd heard those kind of stories, and I've heard them since, and I never know whether I really believe the person. Now you but do. That, yeah, now, yeah, that happened to me. I mean, I there's a lot of shit that people have told me over the years, and I'm like, really? I did that? I mean, it just blows me away, because, I mean, I was... The, my most vivid memory, past the point of when I started to partake, was laying on the island in the middle. There's like... You know the bridge we were talking about. Yeah. Do you remember? I, I, a I lot of people weren't. There was an island out there. You there was an get island to it by the McGregor's own. house. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. I remember laying on that island, staring up at the stars. It was like beautiful starry night, not a cloud up there. I was there and being turned over every so often to keep from drowning in my own puke because I just fucking heaved yeah. all night long. Now somebody told me I had to. No, this is a part I don't remember. Somebody told me I had to be talked down off the bridge at one point. Somebody told me that we actually crossed either to or from the island by going across the top of the dam, which is fucking insane. I can't imagine doing that sober, let alone rip drunk. So, I mean, some crazy shit went down that night. I just don't I don't remember I any of I think Randy it. was there, and Randy was wanted to oh, get yeah, in a he, fight with somebody. He yeah, had he a took beef with me, somebody. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't for him, God only knows what would have happened that night. Because I, I remember somebody told me he had to carry me either to or from the island because I was just I was out of it. And you know, there, uh, there's been those stories about you know like like hazing and shit where kids like drink themselves to death. And I almost wonder. I'm like, man, how, why didn't that happen to me? Because I mean, I, you know, I was not at all. I, I had no idea of alcohol. The human to that body's point. pretty tough. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I mean, I just I went from like zero to fucking ripped in in like yeah. a half hour. Because I mean, every, you know, it was one of those things where no matter where you went, somebody was handing you something to drink. So whatever they handed me, I just drank it, you know. And man, I'm telling you, I was I was I was a mess. I've got a few of those stories for the future, and if the listeners are really lucky, sometime I'll tell them about. The story when I was in high school the first time I smoked pot you want a <laughs> harrowing story has blood blood is involved crazy people are involved Levi Passage is involved oh my remember god Levi Passage yeah I wish I could not remember Levi Passage but yes I do remember I just him. remember Levi Passage because I was recently working with someone named Merle and Levi Passage had a brother named Merle who was a juggernaut was a killer. He was. Like, I think he's still in high school. He was like forty nine and in high school. Yeah, when we were going to school, yeah. he yeah he was hitting he was he approaching was, fifty, and I think he's probably still there. And he was huge, and his only line was, "You got a fucking problem," and it usually <laughs> ended up with you being crushed on the ground afterwards. No, Merle. I think he had a pull string in the middle of his back that he would just pull, and it would say that every once I, in a while. I have just. I Right, I don't remember ever saying anything else. All I remember is Merle Passage, as far as a student goes, was probably the most feared. You didn't want to get in a fight with him. He was bigger than anybody else, and he was a ruthless battler, and he would crush you, and he liked to crush people. And 
that was his reputation in high school. Yeah, but come on, anybody who's twice the age of all the other students, yeah. come and on. on. The, on the dodgeball court, he would just kill you. And so, anyway, Mer after not seeing Merle for a couple years, I was sitting out on my front porch with my friend Chuck Champagne and Darren DeVito, and Chuck Champagne lived right next door to the passages, so he knew Merle and Levi Passage, and uh, he had a little CB with him, and we were passing the time by, down the street from us, there was a construction site going on. I know we've tangented way the hell off our, <laughs> our Halloween topic, but you know what? They asked for stories, they're going to get them, and they're going to tangent. We're both tired, and, and off we go. So, we had this little CB... And it, we had it trained to the channel that the construction site we was using. So we'd be hearing him going, back it up a little more, back it up a little more. And we'd be like, okay, now, now. And then the guy would be like, no, not now, not now. And we'd go, ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 And then all of a sudden this voice gets on and goes, you boys better cut that out. And Darren DeVito's like, whoa, fuck you, man. <laughs> and the guy's like, you know... You, you guys are assholes, blah, blah, blah. You guys leave those guys alone. I'm trying to listen to my CB. Oh, who the fuck are you, you inbred fuck? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he's like, I know who you are. Do you know who I am? And Darren's like, no, I don't know who you are, you dumb fuck. And he goes, it's Merle Passage. And I know who you are. You're Darren DeVito. And then Ooh. right when he says that, he drives by our, right by our house. And he goes, I just drove by and he waves from the car. So, Darren is just like, boom, has the CB in his hand. He's like, Merle, Merle, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't know it was you. No, you know we're cool, man. Blah, blah, blah. I was just kidding around, you know. I thought it was somebody else. I didn't know it was you. And he's like, just stay where you are. And he pulls up and storms out of the car. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man. He's going to get <laughs> beat down in my front yard. And he does the total Lando Calrissian, you know. How you doing? And he's just like, oh, I was just kidding with you guys. And he turned into a complete hippie. He had long hair and was all, like, mellow and hippied out. Had a wife and a wife and a kid on the way. Oh, my God. So who, who would have known? But he used to be a, a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember you and I doing some some shit because I think the first time I ever talked on a CB was that CB your dad had. Oh yeah, we used to he used to, he used to have one in his office and we had one in, like in his van, and we'd get in the van and just mess with people. My favorite thing of that ever was uh, when I was working at Target. They built a new Walmart that was like across the highway from us, and their walkie-talkies were on the same freak that ours was. So they were in there doing store set. I and like this that you like, use the word freak. This was uh, <laughs> this was early in the morning, and we could hear them on our radios. So they're trying to get set up, and we kept fucking with them. And we started out real subtle, you know, where they would they would say, you know, well, where are you? And we go, well, I'm I'm back here, you know. <laughs> they go, well, where back here? I go back in like the right hand or whatever, and they, you know, you. You'd wait a little bit, and then they'd go, well, I'm back this? here. Where are you? you know? Well, they, uh, it, they didn't realize for, like, weeks because <laughs> we did it totally on the sly, you know? 
to where you know we didn't we didn't Just milk a it because yeah yeah we didn't want them to catch on. So the the best one I ever did was uh, one, one somebody got on there one time and they were calling whoever the general manager was because we, we learned who everybody was long before we ever met them because we knew their voices and all their you know all their names. So they called somebody called the general manager and asked him something, and uh, I got on there and I said, "What a stupid question." So what, what the hell business you got asking a stupid question? Why don't you just go ahead and clock out and go home right now? And there's like this long pause, and he's like, well, I didn't mean anything. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> we totally had him going, and by that point, it was like we let the cat out of the bag. You know, it was like, who the hell is this? You know, they got who is this? It was hilarious, man. We ragged them so bad about that shit. It was funny. Well, eventually they ended up going to a, a, they must, probably went to a whole another set of uh, of walkie talkies, but they right. at least went <laughs> couldn't hear them anymore. But we we used to fuck with them so bad. Oh, these guys at the construction site would get so mad, but I hated them because all well, uh, I think it was the USA channel. It was about a width of five channels on our cable. Whenever they would talk on their walkie-talkies, it would come over through our cable. So I'd be trying to watch TV. and But not only would, was it them talking, but to preface everything was this long, like, squelching... Like, faxy noise. <laughs> and then the guy would be like, Okay, blah, 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 Okay, now, do you realize just how badly we just dated ourselves? Because kids today have no fucking clue what we're talking about. Yeah. But I remember those days where you'd be watching TV and some fucking idiot on their on their CB would drive by your house and you could hear like their entire conversation for like the next ten miles. Right, you know? and you'd, it would squash out the sound on the TV and the picture would be all screwed up the whole time it was going on. And there's nothing you can do about it but just sit there and wait for them to shut the. Fuck. Ah. Like, probably <laughs> half the people with their headphones on right now are just going like, Oh, God. Just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Please. I've listened to it this far. I'm going to listen to it to the end. But for God's sake, for Myrtle's sake, just shut up. <laughs> God! Not our listeners. Our listeners love us. And then they pull out their gun and just start taking out everybody in the cubicles next to them. Ah, uh, the horror. The horror. Well, I, you know what? Fun. We should start giving points to our listeners. Because I don't know how, but I want to give extra points to anybody who's listening to us at work right now. Yes. If, if, you're, listen <laughs> if you're listening to this while you're working and you're getting paid to listen to this right now you are my hero oh my god I'm so proud of you <laughs> yeah, that's where I listen to all my stuff my my, my uh, podcast my audiobooks everything I listen to all that shit at work when I used to be a big time waster on Friendster and was battle, were battling the powers that be at Friendster for whatever that's worth um, I always used to get an added rush out of the whole thing knowing that half the people that were like enjoying this and contributing to it were sitting at work somewhere in a cubicle you know at least having some sort of enjoyment in their day 
I keep waiting for somebody to say something to me at work about because when I first bought my my first MP3 player and started taking it to work, I kept it very much on the sly. You know, I had it buried in my clothes, and you know, I wore wore all my equipment in such a way that you'd never know that I didn't have like earplugs in that I actually right. had headphones in. And I finally, you know, after a year of this shit, I finally got to a point where I don't give a fuck who yeah. knows. But waiting for somebody to like rat me out to the like the nurse or something because we do have a strict policy we're not supposed to have anything like that you know out in the production area and i think it's mostly for safety you know they don't want you to not hear like somebody come in with a pallet jack and fucking knock you on your ass or whatever you know because you didn't hear them yeah. coming but you know if they ever give me any shit about it i'm just gonna tell them look this is what's standing between me and fucking murdering everybody that uh-huh. i work with you know, because I hate those motherfuckers. I hate that job. And that that MP3 player and whatever the hell I put on it every night keeps me fucking sane. So they they really don't want to give me any shit about it. Cause, you, you know, know what? I'll bet you there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope they all chime in and let me know that I'm not the only one that feels that way. Well, you know, I... That's that's one weird thing about me is I never really I haven't had anything like that since I was a kid and I had a Walkman because I ride a bike a lot but I really don't like riding a bike with any kind of musical thing going because I do have to pay attention to what's going on and I trust my driving I don't trust cars driving and uh, my work I definitely can't at my work I definitely have to be able to hear things so I I just you know, I listen to things when I'm at my computer doing, working on Photoshop or, you know, editing or something like that. I'll have music playing, but I just, when 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 I was a kid, I was not without my Walkman wherever I went. That was, <laughs> you know, having a Walkman was like an essential, you know, having mm-hmm. having tapes full of every kind of music that I needed was, now I, nowadays I guess it's so easily accessible everywhere that you know although you know when you're a teenager your music is your total identity so it's very important so hey bringing this back around for a second um i mean i know you don't have any kids or anything but do you ever still like go to like the like say like the department store or anything and like check out just what's out for halloween oh sure oh sure but But what's what's caught your eye uh I saw I saw some there was some, there's some decent uh, on the not as much on the kitty end but in the uh, I was outside a costume shop and they had huge posters of every conceivable costume you could rent from them and they had a really nice Django Fett one. Yes. Oh man, that's weird. You just picked that right out of my head because yeah. I was going to say either the Django Fett or Boba Fett. Yeah, those are nice. They, they looked like they were really nice, and they looked like they took a little time to... I know a guy who actually bought the full, you know, $6,000 Stormtrooper suit, you know, the reproduction. Uh, and I actually, I met the guy because he was a friend of a friend, and he wanted to put the video of him, you know, taking it out of the box and putting it on for the first time up on the internet, and he didn't know how to do it. So he came over to my place, and I put the the video on for him but I saved a copy of it I've got a copy of it and, you know it's it's time lapsed down but you know it took them about two hours to get this guy fully suited up in his in his stormtrooper outfit wow it was no joke now see so do that whole 501st thing what's what's that 
Oh, I thought you knew about know about that. It was uh, they're they're like a bunch of fans. I, I I mean, I don't really understand it all that well, so I hope I don't offend anybody who's in it. But uh, my understanding is how it works is that it's basically a bunch of fans and they're fan made Star Trek or excuse me Star Wars apparel, mostly like Imperials, I guess. And they go around to like conventions and I think Battle Mark in the other. Mark episode I think Mark said something about they came down there and did Star that Star Wars weekend event down there at Disney. You know, they go they go around to different places. The CGS guys had them at their uh, at the Super Show. Well, this um, but- this guys, I mean it was handmade but it was by a company that makes them, you know. So mm-hmm. so it wasn't really technically fan made, although whoever makes them probably was a fan to get the idea to do it. Right. But it's actually probably somebody who bought the, or, or designed their own plans exactly like they did the Stormtrooper. It's all the layers of it and stuff like that. No, I never heard of that. It sounds yeah, like the LARPers, the live action role playing people. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's something similar to that. Just the Star Wars version of it. Yeah, I mean they're really cool. You know, they they go out for like charities and like. Like the Make a Wish kids and stuff. I mean, it, it sounds like a really nice thing, but it's basically it's like a fan thing, like an imaginary stormtrooper unit kind of thing. Yeah. I guess is how it works. I don't know. That's my that's my limited understanding of it, but it just sounds really awesome. Sounds like something I'd be part of if I didn't have like a real life that I had to, you know, <laughs> to take over. To. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this I hope guy, that didn't I think- sound terribly condescending. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, but you know what I mean. This this guy, I think he just liked wearing... I think he likes getting dressed up Halloween style in costumes. He has a Cookie Monster outfit, too, that he goes to... Whenever he goes to a function, he's in some sort of... Some sort I dress, of disguise. I used to. I dressed up for a lot of years, especially when I was working retail. You know, if I had to work on Halloween day, because I, I usually was able to finagle my way out of having to work Halloween night. I don't like working Halloween night because I like to, you know, take the kids out or whatever. But usually if I had to work Halloween, you know, during the day, I would dress up. And for a lot of years, I dressed up as Indiana Jones. Now, granted, I don't look a damn thing like Harrison Ford, but I had the costume down, man. I mean, you know, not only did I have my own real authentic bullwhip, but, you know, I had I had the I slowly had built the costume over time, uh-huh. you know, where the, the baggy khaki pants and the real, you know, uh, you know, army slash Boy Scout looking shirt. And the only thing I never had was I never had a, 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 a leather jacket that looked like his. So I would just go without it. So it was very much like Indy's look from like Temple of Doom, you know, where he was just out, you know, and it was so hot that he wasn't wearing his jacket, you know. But I had, you know, I had the shoulder bag and the the boots and the hat and, you know, all that. So it was, it was pretty cool. That was fun. That was a lot. You know, I used to get a lot of comments. But, now if you could dress up this year and, and go out as, like, you know, anything and, and look really good as it, what, what would you go as? Well, for sure, I would. Uh, if I was going to dress up this year, and it's kind of lame because I have the costume, but I need to use it more, but it's a pain in the ass. I have a gorilla God. suit. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You thank you very much for turning uh, Scotty onto that because now that's oh, all no. he talks to, to get a gorilla suit. <laughs> They've got one at Target, but it's like I don't know. It's like some yeah, very very expensive. My wife was like, "Why does he want to be a gorilla?" And I didn't want to tell her that you put the idea in oh, his head. So I, I don't know. I don't know where he got that idea, dear. Some <laughs> kids just love gorilla suits. I know I'm a big fan of gorilla suits. I didn't know that I could spread the mania. Yeah, I, I would, I like, 
Um, this guy that comes to our bar all the time, he has a daughter that sometimes he has custody of, or, you know, she comes to visit him. And she's just, she's seven years old, I think. And she was, she's, I'm like, what are you dressing up as? I'm dressing up as a devil. And I'm just thinking, man, I want to get in the gorilla suit, just have this little, like, little tiny kid leading me around on a leash. It would be a riot. <laughs> you know, it would be hilarious. But I couldn't wear the, it's, that suit is so hot. Oh, it's so bulky and hot. But it's a gorilla suit. I, I remember one year at work, I dressed up as a hunchback when I was working as a busboy at a restaurant. And I had the whole hunchback outfit, and I had, like, that invisible t uh, theatrical tape you can get, so you can hmm. make your eyes droop and, uh, you, you know, just look like you're a little deformed and fucked up. And uh, I had a bucket of water with a ladle in it, and, and I would show up to the, you know, I, would, I was seating people at the table, so I was the first thing people saw when they came in. And I would usually have, my whole chin would be soaking wet because I was just drinking from this ladle all the time. <laughs> you know, drinking from the ladle. And, uh, and I would show up with the menus and just sort of like let one leg drag and bring him to the table. And if there was a lady, I would never like look her in the eyes and she would say, well, I, you know, I'm like... You want some water, you know, and I'd pour their water. Here's your water, miss. And she would be like, thank you. And I'd be like, oh, you don't thank me. You're too kind. You're so be beautiful, and I'm so ugly. <laughs> All the money I made in tips that night. And then I would go back to my bucket and I'd <laughs> drink some and head back into the kitchen, you know, and tell them. Tell him I just seated a table for two, but that was exhausting because I was, you know, limping around the whole place for six hours. You know, oh, this was for Halloween. Yeah, this was on a, one of the days that I happened to work on a Halloween night. That'd be fun to and, do it just <laughs> some other time, just to see what kind of reaction you would. Get. Yeah, that's the only time you can, you know, at a re you know restaurants at a re at a restaurant, depending on the restaurant, but for the most part. A restaurant, a place where people get food, you gotta be kind of conservative about what you do, unless it's like the theme of the restaurant, you know, because you don't want to put people off their food. But on Halloween, you can get away with a lot of more stuff. Oh there, yeah. There, there was one Halloween we all dressed up as a boss. There, that was the best. Everybody, oh, that was cool. everybody, you know, the bo boss had an outfit that he stuck with and never varied from, so it was so easy and. You know, he had a mustache, so it was just like all the waitresses, male or female, everybody came in dressed, and he was fat, so everybody came in with pillows under their shirts. <laughs> it was awesome. He was a bit—he looked like Pancho Villa. He was a big, fat Mexican guy with a mustache, a droopy mustache, and white and like Cheech from Cheech and Chong. He had a white shirt with uh, suspenders. <laughs> it's always the same every so. It was—it was great. I had an excellent idea this year. I don't know how the hell I'd ever pull it off, but I, I keep thinking about it, and I might try to actually do it sometime. But I saw this costume, and I can't remember. I don't know. Was it a cowboy? I can't remember now exactly what it was. But it gave, I'll tell you about the idea it gave me. But imagine like a costume of the – remember the cowboy that rides an ostrich 
in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when they go to the Island of Misfit Toys. Yes. There was a costume that was something like that. It was like a rider yes. on a on a bird. It was like an yes. ostrich or something. I got the idea. How fucking awesome would it be to take that same, you know, your legs are the animal, but they're your body's your body idea of a costume. But instead of the cowboy on like a horse or an ostrich, you were Luke on, on your tauntaun. Taun. Wouldn't yes. that be awesome? And I was like, oh yeah, I've got I've got to figure out a way to make that shit and, work. And I you need to and you so need to and you need to run around all herky jerky going rackle 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 Yeah. I think that would be awesome. Well, we have run really long. Yeah, I'm we... saying now that we're talking about Halloween again and costumes, we should call it quits before we start talking. God knows what we'll start talking about. In in real human time, it's 4.26 in the morning, too. God damn. I promised myself I wouldn't do this again tonight. What I time know. were we up to recording the last Halloween show last night? 5.30, 6 o'clock? Yeah, like it, I, I know I didn't get to bed before 6. And then I tried. I swear, I laid down at like 2-ish, intending to sleep to like 2 to like 7. Because I was getting up to, to go do uh, to do Will's show. And I bet you I didn't fall asleep until well after 4 o'clock. So I really only slept maybe two hours at most. And I'm fucking dead. And I, I was like, all right, I'm going to knock that show out with Will. Get on with you. We'll we'll do an hour. Call it quits. And, <laughs> you know, here it is, 4.30 in the fucking morning. I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? I'm, just, I'm totally learning to run without sleep, I'm telling you. But I'm, I'll be dead today. I'll be completely goddamn useless today. But thankfully, I got the house all done and everything today, so I, I shouldn't have shit to do. So even if I'm a completely lazy, useless bastard, she shouldn't mind too much. So <sighs> The things I do for you people. I know, we give and we give and we give. We get, <laughs> we get nothing in return. You raise them up, you give them clothes, you buy them books and send them to school. And what do they do? They eat the books. Bastards. I love our listeners. I do. I love them. I'm, I'm glad they're there. I hope they continue to be there. And uh, I hope they've enjoyed this episode. Ha happy Halloween, <laughs> everybody. Um, enjoy it. You know, Be sure to check your candy for razor blades. And don't throw any garbage cans through library windows. That's bad, bad, bad. Don't do it. Unless you're under 12 years old. And oh, and if you... And if, if you, you agony, are, you shouldn't be listening to this show right now. <laughs> anyway. If you egg any cars or buildings, just make sure they don't belong to me. I don't give a shit other than yep. that. Yep. All right, that's it. And Happy Halloween, note, everybody. Stay out of my neighborhood, kids. <laughs> and, we'll, <laughs> and we'll get along just fine. We'll see you next time um, when we'll be starting our new format. Yep. And it's Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yep, we will be reviewing the first several episodes of Star Wars. Um, what else are we do? Well, I'll have some uh, Star Wars book reviews for you, um, audio books. And um, we'll be doing the first, what do we agree on, three issues? Uh-huh. The first three issues of Marvel Comics Star Wars. So join us for that. It should be a lot of fun. We are super psyched to be doing it. Star Wars, Star Wars. See you next time.
Be sure to bring your death certificate if you decide to join us. Make final arrangements now. We've been dying to have you. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!